episode 236, Hotshot Scott, a very special episode. Oh, it really it is? Of Mitch Unfiltered. Ask me why. Why is it special? Have absolutely no idea. <laughs> There's nothing special about it. How'd you spend your 420? Happy 420. We oh, just passed. Just missed it. I Did you see. enjoy it? I see. No, you didn't Are enjoy? you sniffling already? Already. Can't Are you stop. already getting me in trouble? Yes. Although there's a letter that poured in. Uh-oh. That's defending the sniffle. Really? It's the first letter to defend the sniffle. Huh. Yeah, the sniff. Yeah, Is yeah. it a sniffle or a sniff? I think a sniff. Sniff. Yeah, so they like it and they're def- There's like actually they're a letter it. I'm about to read to you any minute now. It could happen any second. <laughs> I'm on the edge of my chair. On episode 236. That's why episode 236 is so special. Vancouver, British Columbia. Oh, Hello. Gorgeous. There Love are it. some... Area codes of a 236 in Vancouver. Okay. Yeah. You like you have Vancouver. It's not the main. It's not the main area. Right. 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 You so. a Vancouver guy. You like that that city? I love Vancouver. Do you, are you joking? And you, and you know why I love Vancouver? Because everybody says I love Vancouver. Oh. <laughs> you can't find one person. <laughs> yeah. 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 Outside of Vancouver, like yeah. that lives in the United States, that's ever been to Vancouver. You can't find one that said I, I didn't. I didn't like it that much. That was fine. It was no good. Yeah. It was no good. The music version is Radiohead. Everyone, you have to say you love Radiohead. I, I don't know Radiohead. Yeah, so a I lot can't of people love. don't, but they say but they love everybody it. loves Vancouver. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. Okay. And it is a pretty awesome town. Is it though? Well, it's weird. It's okay. It's kind of Seattle-esque, right? Yeah, it's sure, nothing, yeah. sure. They say, oh, it's so clean in Vancouver. <laughs> have you ever heard that one? No. Oh, clean. Vancouver is so much cleaner than Seattle. Oh, oh it is. Oh, yeah. It's very clean oh, in I, Okay, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. That's that's where Hotshot ordered his first beer ever in a bar. Is that right? 19 years old. It was a Tell delightful me. moment. Oh, is that why Max ran up there with his buddies? <laughs> you he just did. now did that math? <laughs> You didn't know? Did he really go up there? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a rite of passage if you grow up in he this area. He went up when he was like 19. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's the best. Like I walked up, I was like, I thought I was oh. going to get zip tied and pepper sprayed and thrown out the door for ordering a beer. Hey, give me a Heineken. You know bucks. why the law says 18 is okay in Vancouver? Well, it's 19, but why? 19. You want to know why the law is that? Yeah, sure. Because they want everybody to then come back and for the rest of their adulthood to say, hi, Vancouver. <laughs> what a great place Vancouver is. It sure works. They're actually kind of buying you off. Yeah. yeah. Buying yeah. everybody off. That's why everybody loves Vancouver. I don't know. I think it's nice. Yeah. Stanley Park. I've been there. Done the boat thing. Oh, down the sure. water yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. It's a nice downtown area. <laughs> Yeah. What do you love so much about Vancouver? <laughs> I they let know. you drink. They let you drink. Well, of course. That's so what you I have love. a good taste in your mouth. I love the, the yeah, I thought the bars were fun and the clubs when I used to go up there when I was single. Okay. It's only like an hour from Western. So you get a pit stop at Western with the pals and then you head on up across the border. But I haven't been in a while. Oh, actually, last time I went, it was on fire. You ever been detained at the... Uh... Oh, at the, yeah, the security, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, what's it called? Checkbox Charlie or whatever. <laughs> yes. It used Checkpoint to be, Charlie. It literally used to be so easy to cross the border. You'd show up to be five of us in a car, probably yeah. open containers if they really looked. And you just hand them all your driver's license. The guy would say, you're going up for uh, business or uh, or pleasure. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go hit some clubs and then come back. And you know why it was so easy back then? <laughs> because they wanted everybody to come back. Well, they love Vancouver. Maybe. Vancouver. That might be it. I'm telling you, all they did was make decisions to get people to say, yeah. ah, Vancouver, what a city. One of the great cities <laughs> in the world, Vancouver. The guy would hand us back the IDs and go, okay, have fun. Be careful. <laughs> that was it. That's all it took. No huge line. No interrogation or anal probe or anything. Just a, dead, bo- <laughs> a dead body in the back. <laughs> totally. Bernie from 
weekend at Birdie's. <laughs> All right, we went through one time, and as we got on the other side, my buddy's feeling in his pocket, and he had a joint in the front pocket. <laughs> Completely forgot about it because it was the next morning. Like, they didn't give a shit, but then 9-11 oh, ruined God. everything, and now there's a huge line uh, to get in episode 236 hot shot let's get it together yep it's available on all podcast platforms subscribe and rate us please on apple i don't know that we're gonna get such a great apple rating from people in vancouver now <laughs> we need some new reviews some five-star ratings patrons had their pick of the litter this week it might have been a record setting week for patrons and content for patrons okay for five dollars a month which comes out to be what a buck 25 a week for yeah. a buck 25 this past week. Here's what you got. Okay. The peace show with Danny, which was terrific. Can't remember, but it was terrific. <laughs> kind of like Vancouver, right? Shooting the shit with slick, which was the best one we've ever done. I don't know. I was in Los Angeles. <laughs> so we, we did one from Los Angeles. Wait, Really? Yeah. I was in LA this week. Uh, Mariners, no table with Jason and Joe and not one, not two, but three Kraken no wow. tables after each playoff game. Impressive. We all get together and we record a no table to wrap up the playoff game and look yeah. ahead to the rest of the series. So for a dollar and a quarter, uh -huh. patrons got six, six shows this week. What's a Sunday paper these days? Two dollars? I mean, I don't know. It, it costs you, you. You try to read anything online anymore. They want money. Yeah. You know that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every time I have to clear the cookies because you get like five. <laughs> You get five freebies, Jesus. and so when I run out of free, right. freebies, I have to clear the cookies. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. Who's don't got know. 85 cents a month? I mean, who can do it? I mean, Christ. Well, Christ, if you keep paying 85 cents a month for everything, yeah. by the time you're done, yeah. all you'll, of these you'll shows. You'll have spent 85 cents a month, right? Yes, I got you. All these shows are about 15 to 30 minutes. They're quick listens. They're not long shows. 15 to 30 minutes. Good. $5 a month or $55 for the year. Become a patron at MitchUnfiltered.com. And if the $5 per month is truly a problem, Problem. Just write me, but it's got to be a problem. Yeah. Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. Okay. Like this guy. Hello, Mitch. Loved your show back in the day and been listening to the pod for quite a while now, but only able to hear the free episodes. Mm. I'm a stubborn guy and don't look for handouts. Finally decided to swallow my pride and ask for your offer for the free code to become a patron. There, there's no free code. Right. Okay? Yeah, I just yeah. I just reimburse you. Love the show and truly think you're a testament to the fact that we all deserve and can achieve redemption. Hmm. Keep up the great work. Look forward to your response. Sincerely, Peter V. And after signing at Peter V, he still wasn't sure whether he was going to get the freebie. Yeah. So he writes, P.S. Although I'm about as tech savvy as you, <laughs> alas, I was pleased to be able to give you a five-star rating. So he wanted to salt it away with yeah, the BS. <laughs> right, right, yeah. He's working hard now. <laughs> I didn't know Peter Vesey fell on such hard times. I mean, who knew he was a fan, right? <laughs> so. All right, good. I'm glad to have Peter. Happy to have Peter. All right, yep. we don't have him yet. I got to respond and then set him up. Oh, and it's a whole thing. Do the whole thing. Yeah, I yeah. got you. Yeah. Okay. Dear Mitch, here you go. I want to cast a vote in favor, in caps, of keeping the sniffs part of the podcast. Now, for people who didn't hear the last couple of shows, we've been getting lots of hate mail right. about the sniffs, that the sniffs have gone overboard. It's an old thing now. It's now more annoying than it is good. Whatever. It's weird because I think I started doing it watching Don Knotts as a kid. So it's not like... 
you know, it's not like something we just started doing a year ago. We just think it's funny. Don Knotts did it in Mayberry, and it the was best. Fat. Oh my god! Every yeah. Oh my god. So I mean, my point is, it's like telling me like not to like say a certain word that I've been saying my whole life. Like, I just well, you might have to. to. You might have to. Here's right. what this guy though says. This okay. guy takes the the opposite viewpoint on this. Okay. On this debate, on the sniffs debate. Not only do they denote a punchline or extreme sarcasm. I can't understand why people find it so audibly displeasing. Perhaps some of your listeners suffer from misophonia. You ever heard of misophonia? No. I'm lucky enough not to. So I looked up misophonia. Okay. And I'll tell you what it means right now. Affected emotionally by common sounds, usually those made by others and usually ones that other people don't pay attention to, creating a fight or flight response that triggers anger and a desire to escape. Wow. <laughs> maybe that's a thing. Misophonia. Huh. He says maybe our listeners who complain have misophonia. There have been times when you and Scott have punctuated jokes with a regular or exaggerated sniff and I've laughed out loud hard. Matt in Northgate is in favor of okay. keeping, retaining yeah. the sniffs. So what do we do now? All right, we got the hate mail. We got the mats of the well, world. We got a thousand no's and one yes. <laughs> what do we true. do? Let me think about that. I got to really yeah. weigh one versus the yeah. other. I don't, don't want to let Matt down. He seems like a nice fella. <laughs> I like Northgate. Well, you like him because he likes the sniffs. That's exactly why I like him. And yes. you know what else he likes? What's that? Vancouver. Oh, he does. Loves Vancouver. Uh, oh, what oh. a nut. Oh. <laughs> People love gushing over Vancouver. It's like it makes them feel cool or something. Oh, uh, one of the greatest cities around. You know. And not only do people love Vancouver, <laughs> but those very same people I notice love to run into people who haven't been there yet. They say, have you been to Vancouver? No. Oh, you got to go. You got to go to Vancouver. <laughs> it's funny because last time I was there, it was literally on fire after the Canucks either lost oh, or won. I can't well, that's, remember. That's the one that you went with Gastineau. Yeah. And, and, then I, didn't, and then didn't go to the game. I think multiple times we went up there and didn't oh, go to the games. Really? Yeah, because one time Elise was with us, Elise Woodward. I know her. So I drove, and she's in the passenger seat next to me. Yeah. Gas is in the back. It's shy. Yeah. A bunch of people are there. And, yeah. But I look in the rearview mirror like out of a movie, and I see smoke everywhere. I think they they didn't win the Stanley Cup, right? Uh, the Canucks, or did they? I don't know. Yeah, I think they... Maybe they did. I, I just they got to the finals. I know that they definitely were in the finals, but yeah, it, yeah. the place was on fire. Like yeah. the, so, it's funny this clean city, except for when they were destroying it for during this. And they had the Olympics there, right? Um, yeah, yeah, they did. That's they right. They had the Olympics. They had the the. I think. I think some of the stuff. The is, hockey is still gold medal at, game was in Vancouver. Am I wrong about? No, that? No, I think that's right. Because at Whistler, some of like the bobsled stuff is still yeah. up. Like the structures, yeah. I think, are still there. I want to say that there was a lot of Seattle interest. In the Olympic hockey games, yeah, which may have sold the NHL on Seattle, be or partly, let's say, partly sold yeah, the NHL right. on mm, Seattle hockey town or not? Yeah, uh, yeah. Seattle hockey. Sound. So, what do you think they're saying now after that that first home playoff game the other night? Did you watch that? I did. That's probably the most I've watched them, except for the game that somebody took me to. Yeah, that's the most I've watched. Did you it. watch the whole game, like from beginning to end? Well, or do when, you have it on in the back background noise? So I watched it on the main screen for until it was three. They were down three to one. Yeah, and then I had it on the surface. Oh, they scored two goals. Well, in I, I look over, seconds. it's five three. I'm like, or five five. I'm like, what the hell happened? Or three whatever. Three three. Yeah. Three three. I'm like, yeah. what happened? So then I oh, went back and I nineteen seconds. I went back and watched. Pretty pretty incredible. Incredible, right? Yeah. So then I watched the rest of it. 
Did you watch games one and two in uh, in Colorado? Not uh, at all. I don't. Th- I thought might have really? been working. You weren't intrigued so- by it. I might have been working, or I forgot. No, or- you weren't working at nine thirty at night. Come That's on. when it starts. It starts at seven. It goes to seven to ten. They've been going to. Yeah. No, you weren't working. I don't remember. Don't watching. use work as an excuse. Maybe you were in Vancouver. I think I kept an eye on the first one because they were winning. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. They're they won winning. the first one. Right. So I think I kept an eye on that one. I watched yeah. the end of that, but I don't think I watched game two. By the way, they were winning game two, two nothing also. Oh, they were. Oh, yeah. God, that sucks. Maybe you ought to take not, a peek. Well, maybe the opposite. Now, now that I'm following, they're not doing so hot, are they? Maybe I should stay away. I, I don't know. I'm totally hooked. Just like everybody said I would be. Really? Yeah, totally hooked. Like, I was excited for the start of game three. I'm like, okay, it's going to start soon. I sat down for it. and I, So I watched a ton of it. Of I'm game totally three. hooked. It's it's fun. It is fun. It's cool. It's different. Yeah. I don't know that I'm hooked so much. Like, a lot of people say... When you've never been exposed to hockey, as soon as you see playoff hockey, it just reels you in. Like you become you become a huge fan of the yeah. sport. I don't know that me watching the playoffs, I didn't watch game two because I was actually at an NBA game. Don't ask me. I was at an NBA playoff game, so I missed game two. Okay. But I watched every second of game one and every second of game three, and I was like drawn into the screen. It was very stressful. It was very yeah. exciting. It was very dramatic. And I was thinking... So much is riding on every kind of trip down the ice. It's not, it's unlike any other playoff. Mm. And so like you watch a baseball playoff game. When we were watching the Mariners last year, it's exciting to watch a major league baseball game, but it's a long game. And if you give up a run here or two runs there, you never, it's a long game. Yeah, yeah. An NBA game, there's going to be a lot of baskets made each way. Someone's going to go on a 10-0 run at some point. Football is a three-hour deal. You give up an early touchdown or two. And and maybe I'm I'm not articulating this, but you watch these hockey games where you have like a vested interest in a playoff game, and it just feels very stressful at every moment. Like you're, you're on the edge of your seat holding your breath every time there's a there's action in front of your goal. You're yeah. afraid the guy's going to oh, score. It's crazy. Like, get, the, I mean, get it out of there. Get it out of there. I, I mean, know. it's like it's like stressful. And I'm staring at the uh, the power Emotional. play clock. It's like the longest 30 seconds of my life. Like, when it's it, the other teams. Yeah, uh, can we get our guy back? Yeah. Like, holy crap. This is taking forever. It was That's 20 right. seconds. Now it's 27 seconds. Yes. Like, Jesus. But what I was going to say is, now the question is, will it bring you, Mitch, into hockey so much so that Next year, when they start an 82-game schedule, you're watching game five and game 14 right. and game 27 because they're not like this. Right. This is just intense. It's crazy intense. It yeah. really is. So I don't know that it's brought me into that extent, but like I can't wait for game four on Monday night. Yeah. On the day that this uh, this recording comes out. I can't wait for game four. I will say during game three, when they went up one, nothing, I found myself like cheering extremely. Like I was so happy. I was cheering loud. I turned you it wanted up to be and... in that building when they went up one, nothing. Of course. I mean, unless looked... you don't like, unless you got misophonia. Or something. It, it looked so <laughs> crazy. I felt like the fans really brought it. it like did, they were, they did. That's it. History. Did. We're watching there. Yeah. Right? I mean, hundred yeah. years from now, they'll probably be playing in Seattle. And I hope first playoff game ever. We got to see. That was pretty I cool. Hope. Anyway, guests on this episode, two thirty six. Randy Mueller is back. Now, why would Randy Mueller be back? Well, I mean, the draft is coming up. Here. He's the he former NFL executive of the year. He's the GM of the current Seattle Sea Dragons of the XFL, but he pays very close attention. We're going to hash out the NFL draft one more time. <laughs> yeah. Before we actually have the draft this week, 
Thursday this week, Friday this week, Hot Shot Saturday, we will finally get the answers to the questions that we have been asking. It feels like every day. I feel like we have all sunk so much time into this. When you think about it, you go all the way back to when the Seahawks traded Russell Wilson. When was that? Over a year ago, right? Yeah, I think so. Just about over a year ago right now. They traded Russell Wilson. Yeah. And we knew they were getting back what? A bunch of picks. Right. One of which was going to be the 2023 first round pick of the Denver Broncos. We then invested our time every week during the football season rooting against Denver and calculating where do they sit now? Yeah, yeah. Are they number five? Are they number three? The season ended today. Seven? Where would they be? Where yeah, would they be? Yeah. We invested a lot of energy in that every <laughs> single week. Yeah. Then the season ended. And if you recall, they won the last game to go from three to five. Otherwise, the Seahawks would have the third overall pick. They won the last game, the Broncos. That's right, yeah. To go down to five. And then after the season ended, well, what are you going to do with five? Are you going to pick a quarterback? Oh, look at the selfie. They're going to that quarterback. They're going to go look at that quarterback. Oh, look at Pete Carroll talking to him. But what they, they signed Geno. They extend Geno. So now it's like, they well, they're probably Gino. not going to take a quarterback. Are they going to trade up? Are they going to trade down? <laughs> They've got all these picks. Yeah. We have been just like our whole life. We can't get that time back. Right. And it was like a lock of the year. They're getting the guy from was from Georgia. Right, and then he gets in trouble, and that gets, throws oh, a wrench into it. Like, uh, oh, it was a done deal we're taking All him. of us went down to Athens to see the car accident, <laughs> right. to see what, what we were going to do. Yeah. He was now nine pounds oh. overweight. Many of us asked, was it eight and a half or nine and a half pounds? <laughs> right. My God, we've just sunk our lives into the draft, and finally this week, we are going to get some answers. And why do I think, no shot at the Seahawks intended, it'll be anticlimactic. Yeah, you might be right. It does just kind of feel like them. Thursday will come and yeah, go. Right. They will make probably two picks. They will probably trade down or trade up or do yeah. something. And then Thursday night at about midnight, you'll be saying to yourself, all that for this? Yeah, that's exactly what you'll be saying, yes. I, I think we can get excited about the, the players that they'll get, but I don't know. I Yeah. I don't know that it can live up to all of the time we have spent it. We have spent on it. Anyway, I you think number five, you're like, wow, that's going to be exciting. Well, we'll be- talk about that here in the first segment. Okay. Randy Mueller's back. Christian Capel on Husky Spring Football. They had the big Saturday spring football game. Yep. Not as many people at the Husky Spring game oh. as, let's say, the Alabama or the LSU spring games. Like 75,000 right. people show up for a scrimmage. I don't know if you saw the Colorado spring oh, game. I did. Woo. They, they are, are on fire oh, for that guy. And his son is quarterback, right? Yep. Throwing babies? Right. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. They're on fire for Colorado. <laughs> I told you he's gonna he's gonna be a problem. You did tell in me in the Pac-12. He you, will be a problem. We're gonna see. I think he'll be a problem. Maybe not this year. He's what does that some, mean? Be a problem? He'll be in the mix. He'll he'll be in the mix for winning. You know, whatever they're in the the North or whatever. Right. I think I think he'll be a problem, and it maybe maybe sooner than a couple years. Randy Mueller's back. Christian Capel on Husky Spring Football, and Fred Siegel. You wouldn't know Fred Siegel. He started. A very clever Twitter account. Okay. Called, and you probably have seen it. It's called Freezing Cold Takes. I haven't have seen, seen it. Yeah, no. I think you probably have. Okay. Hundreds of thousands of people follow him. Okay. He reposts all of these takes that we all make that yeah. are just dead wrong. Oh, that's amazing. And it's led to a new book. Oh, wow. <laughs> He's even got a new book out called Freezing Cold Takes NFL Football Media's Most Inaccurate Predictions. That's awesome. And the fascinating stories behind them. So 
I don't have my glasses here. I'm going to read you some of the chapter titles and you tell me whether you're interested, whether you get a kick out of this. Okay. Some of the chapter titles in this book. Chapter one is The Patriots Will Regret Hiring Bill Belichick, which was uttered. <laughs> chapter two is Trade Dan Marino and Keep Scott Mitchell, for God's sake. <laughs> so he goes way back then. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, uh, chapter seven is somebody got on and said, Brian Brome has more upside than Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> God, people, it's, it's interesting how people can just keep their jobs and be wrong all the time. Chapter eight, the Jets just got the steal of the draft. Future star quarterback Bryce Petty. <laughs> Who? Yeah, Baylor. Uh, let me see. There's a couple more that are good. One. Uh, Tony Mandris is in the class by himself. Oh, my gosh. Uh, he kind of was, though. One guy in San Francisco in the Bay Area screamed, the 49ers should do everyone a favor and trade this Steve Young guy. <laughs> Yeah, who needs him winning two? And Bowl? who would give up a first round pick to the Falcons for Brett Favre? <laughs> right. Anyway, Freezy called it. So his Twitter deal, all he does is is retweet old tweets and so great. videos of like Colin Coward and yeah, yeah, people yeah. just saying this. I'll tell you what's gonna happen. <laughs> right. And then it's just completely wrong. <laughs> completely wrong. Completely. Wrong. I love that kind of stuff so much. I've gone back and watched. <laughs> Siskel and Ebert to see what they think about like The Godfather or like these classic <laughs> movies to see if they got it right or not. So I love that kind of stuff. I actually used to watch Siskel and Ebert. Oh, of course, I did like too. Like on Saturday nights at like six o'clock. I don't yeah. know when it was on here, but it, it was, was like, like I think it was Saturday afternoons. They sat in two chairs facing each other. They had thumbs up and thumbs down. That's it. Yep. Yeah. So I one guy to... was heavy and one. They're both gone now, right? I both, think both gone. gone yeah. 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 I think Siskel went a lot earlier than Roger Ebert. Yeah. But yeah, no, I so I love going and doing that. Look to see if they're right or wrong, and if go. history's been kind to their decision yeah, yeah. or not. Randy Mueller, Christian Capel, Fred Siegel, Hotshot. Let me jump in with a few words from our partners, our sponsors, like Daniel's Broiler for special occasions. And what better special occasion is there than Mother's Day? Every day should be Mother's Day, and boy, do they do it right at Daniel's. Three of the locations open early on that Sunday. Make your reservations now, danielsbroiler.com. You got to love Daniel's Broiler, a world-class steakhouse. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof, evergreengk.com, more than just a financial advisor. Evergreen is everything wealth. Zeke's Pizza, ordering via the Zeke's Pizza app has gotten easier than ever. A complete overhaul. You need to download it and try it. And what a craft beer selection these days at Zeke's. President Dan Black is going to highlight one of the locals on this show, Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. John Waterstrat, Fireside Home Solutions. Whether it's a brand new fireplace inside or out or garage doors, begin your search at firesidehomesolutions.com. And the Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage, it seems like every day we hear about high interest rates, difficulty getting home loans. Jordan Flowers' team, as I say, very aggressive and creative can get you some great packages better than most if you're buying a home, a second home, an investment place, 425-890-2957. That's Jordan's direct line, 425-890-2957. Episode 236, Mitch Unfiltered, begins right now.
Unfiltered. It just feels to me like that bullpen as constituted right now is going to be what Matt Brash is. And if Matt Brash is great, it seems like if he comes in and his lights out in the sixth inning and they can start relying on him and he's consistent outing after outing, everything else will take care of itself. Unfiltered. I don't care whether it's 5 and 27, 5 and 30. I'd like to see them pick two guys, and I really would like to see them pick two impact defensive young players that they can build around for the future. That's what I'd like to see them do. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 236 now, Hot Shot Scott, is officially underway. Victoria, British Columbia. Hello. Oh, have you been to Victoria? What do people say oh, about Victoria? It's like another level above <laughs> Vancouver. It's like, oh, you got to sit at castles and you take the boat and it's, oh, it's gorgeous. Oh, and you think it. Vancouver's clean. Yeah, right. <laughs> I literally took my plate of food, threw it I've, on the ground. Now, and I've never been to Victoria. Um, I did as a kid, but yeah, I haven't been as You take a boat to Victoria, right? I think so, like the Clipper. Yeah, Yeah, the Clipper. The Victoria Clipper. Sure. That makes sense, doesn't it? Yes, we're doing a freaking ad for them. We should be getting paid. Uh, So remember last episode, I think it was last, we talked about me potentially trying golf. You said you're surprised that I haven't at least tried to play golf. Yeah. Well, over the years, I've been offered some golf clubs by one of our listeners named Robert. Well, I'll give you golf clubs. You have golf clubs? That you can part with? Go down to my 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 wife would like. <laughs> come here, hotshot. Take them, please. I got millions. Of, now, I don't know how good they are. They're old. Yeah, I I just I I thought it was very generous of that he's yeah, offering sure. me golf clubs. Sure. And I said, what well, can't you like resell? He's like, there's there's no market for no, old clubs. No, no. And, and I, it's it's one of those things in life that's more trouble than it's worth. Okay. Going to the trouble, posting them right, on eBay, yeah. having to send them. And you got to haggle. And you get like eighteen ninety nine for them. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, well, I got well, a, I got a garage full of golf clubs if you want. You really? The, oh, sure. Oh, but Roberts are much better than yours. So I'm going <laughs> to I don't know. <laughs> are you taking him up on it? Well, I don't know. I was going to ask you. What do you think I should do it? He said they're just going to collect dust whether you take Do him I up. think you should take him up on his golf clubs yeah, or, yeah. or start the game or try to start Like, I don't want to take advantage of somebody, but if, if you're saying that there's not really a market for take that. Take his and, golf clubs. Oh, really? Or take mine. Yeah, take, okay. take anybody's golf okay. clubs. Take anybody's. Just take them. <laughs> okay. Now, I, you know, I just don't know whether this thing's going to work out for you. That's another thing. But I don't think you, Robert you, cares. You, you, at this stage of your life, you don't seem to have the time. To be able to play golf. That's the one thing about golf. I mean, you can go to the driving range all you want for an hour here, yeah, an hour there. Which is what I would do, obviously. Yeah, but to get on a golf course, that's a it's a major sacrifice. It's a big six hour day. That's isn't like it? that's like two Piper softball games. It's like three. Three, three Piper yeah. softball games. <laughs> right. They play like a minute, like an hour and fifteen minutes, yeah. So yeah, you're right. But at some point she's gonna leave the house and I'll be staring I just, staring I'm just at my a wife. little surprised that over the years that you haven't tr- really given it a try. It is surprising considering like that I love sports and I've played my whole life. It's fun. And, and you like to drink and Good Lord. I guess so. I mean, wow, did <laughs> I like, get that kind of You don't do tobacco anymore, right? Not anymore. I got off that. But yeah. but yeah, people smoke cigars and yeah, chew they do and all that get stuff. away from yeah. their spouse for yeah. six hours. Yeah. And I don't even like golf. What movie was that from? My doctor for my annual physical. Yeah. Asks me the same questions every year. Every single year, he asks me the same questions. And one of the first questions he asked is uh, after like 
Are you drinking these days? How much are you drinking? Do you mm. drink? And you're not smoking, right? No, no tobacco, right? No tobacco. Yeah. And then he says, eh, you know, he tries to he tries to kind of trick me. You, you like a nice cigar on the golf course, right? <laughs> like he doesn't play golf. <laughs> OK, but he's just trying to get me to admit to something. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes, yeah, you, you like a, a cigar on the golf course. And I go, Doc. You try the same trick on me every year. <laughs> right. Okay. I don't smoke cigars on the golf course. Nor are you taking it up in your 50s. No, I'm not. <laughs> not going to start now. Not. So you tried to rope me into that 23 <laughs> years ago when I first started coming to you as a, as a 65-year-old guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> he wants to know. He doesn't want no cigar. Not, I don't want you taking cigar. No cigars on the golf course, he tells me. Yeah, don't, you don't do any of that. You've never done no. any of that. No. Drinking. Is it never, no. You ever had a cigarette? No. Not even college, just tried one. Like, uh, I don't think so. Wow. You ever tried chewing tobacco? Oh, Jesus. No, I'll die. <laughs> you will. You will. No. It's rough. No. God, you've never done anything. Because if you gave me chewing tobacco, if you said here, yeah. and you had it in your hand, and it, as you kind of reached your hand across to hand me the chewing tobacco, uh-huh. all I would envision, Tony Gwynn. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. it's not good. At all, no. chewing. And as you give me the cigarette, yeah, my very first cigarette, as you reached across to give me the cigarette, <laughs> yeah. I would envision these PSAs. Oh, don't stop now. Yeah, with the hole. And the, the, yeah, yeah, not I, good. No. See, yeah. that's the way I think. Okay, well, that's good. That's, hey. I great. think I'm going to get that from like having a salad. So what do you think? <laughs> right. I, I need to go tell your doctor, look, Trust him on this, all right? No, the guy's I, never had an Advil. No, right? no, I like it. <laughs> oh, you do. Well, I like He's never had Advil. a cup of coffee, doctor. I've never had a cup of well, so since I was a kid, yeah. Right, but as an no adult, coffee. so he's probably not drinking. Well, coffee isn't bad for you, is it? I just, no, but I'm saying you've never done anything stronger than like Diet Coke. Like, well, I have a drink every a glass of wine every once in a blue moon. Okay, you do every once. So you're not a, like it if your if your son gets married, you'll have a glass of champagne. Sure. Oh, you will. Okay. Oh, sure. When the when the last undefeated team loses. Oh, that's true. You do do that. Uh, yeah. Of course, oh, I drink like a fish. Yeah. <laughs> no pun intended. That was a sniff. <laughs> to the people who don't like the sniff, sorry. Yeah, to the people who do like to the one guy who does like the sniff, <laughs> right. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So here we are. What do you want him to do? Before we get to the uh, the guests on this uh. episode two thirty six. Do you have a sense of either what they're going to do? Do you have a consensus? I mean, none of us really know. No one knows. Everybody's just guessing. Yeah. So what would you like them to do? I've been saying this whole time that that I really want them to help the defense. Yeah. Please help the defense. You and I together. Please don't take a quarterback. I can't watch it anymore. I know. It's torture. Cody Barton's starting. I know he's gone, but... Come on, you can't do better than that. Like, enough already with this defense. Oh, I can't Especially watch it anymore. coming off the Legion of Boom years. Like, we got so spoiled with that squad. And then, yeah, it's torture. So please help the defense. That's that's where I want them to go. Okay, but I'm speaking more specifically. You realize that at this very moment that we speak, they have 10 draft choices. 10. Jeez. It'll be 20 by the time. Two in up. round one. Two in round two. That's four. Around three, that's five. Around four, that's six. Two in round five, that's eight. One in round six, that's nine. And one in round seven, that's 10. And you're going to hear me ask Randy Mueller, who's back on the program, is there such a thing as too many picks? Can you have too many picks? And he's going to say, yes, Hmm. you can have too many picks. I would be very surprised if when Saturday comes, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, come and go, if the Seahawks have any more than 10 draft choices. Yeah, will they add an 11th maybe and then trade it away to move up? When you put it all in the blender, I can't imagine that they're going to come out of the draft with more than 10 picks. 
Does, I'm, we can listen to the interview, obviously, but I, I'm, I'm surprised he would say you can have too many. You can have too many. Too many guys. Doesn't make sense. Too many guys. Well, I mean, you like only have X amount of places on the team. You only have X amount of yeah. dollars in the cap. You could have too many guys. So maybe we always talk, always talk about how he likes to trade down and add picks. Maybe in a draft where he starts with a lot of picks, he will be more likely to maybe use one hmm. of those picks to trade up. I'm not saying from five. I'm not even saying from 20, although right. he likes to wheel and deal in the fifth round of the draft. Like he gets to pick 151 that they got from Pittsburgh. Right, right. He and he sees that. a guy like there's a guy available and they're on 138 or 139 or 140. That's when he likes to trade up from like 151 to 140 yes. to go get a certain guy. Yep. So you could see that happening. I don't know that I see him trading up from any of these picks, but I am totally with you. They're going to have, at the moment, number five yep. and number 20. And then they're going to have number 37 and number 52 in the in the second round. So they've got four of the top 52 picks in the draft. A crap load yeah. of picks in the first 52. My vote... Without knowing these guys like everybody else, I don't pretend to know these guys. I'm no scout. Yeah, right. I don't run the senior bowl. Mitch Kuyper. I'm not Mitch Kuyper. Yeah. I'm not related to the guy. Without knowing everybody, I am right with I'd like to see them default to two impact defensive players in the first round. Yep. With both five and twenty. Now, the chances of that happening probably somewhat slim maybe they'll go for an offensive player i'd like to see them get two studs and if you ask go ahead ask me what positions you'd like them to play what positions would you like i them don't to even play? really care that much i'm kind of with you just give me the best i need the best two defensive impact player. yep. defensive players I'm now somebody would you hold on mitch they, they got no defensive linemen they literally don't have any good or any defensive linemen so yeah i probably would want one to play defensive line whether he plays interior or outside edge doesn't rusher, matter whatever, doesn't right. matter. but if you got me a corner that you thought was a shutdown corner, I'll take it. Yep. Next to Tariq Woolen. If you got me a badass linebacker yep. who's going to make 150 tackles, I'll take it. Yep. You got me an edge rusher, I'll take it. A safety, I probably don't want a safety, but you get him a safety that's going to come down and kick somebody's ass like Ronnie Lott, I'll take it. Yep. I want my first choice would be two impact defensive players at 5 and 20. And then with the second round picks... 37-52. I'd like to see them go get a center. Yeah. I'm tired of watching centers whiff for the Seattle Seahawks the last 10 years. What's your guy's I name? Can't... Which guy? The center that you love. Do you remember? The one in the draft. He's like the... Oh, by far... John Michael Schmitz or okay. Schlitz Smoke Liquor <laughs> Bull. Yeah, or... That's exactly what it is. Yeah. I don't know. Yes. Okay. Yes. He's like far and away the best center well, in the draft. I don't, like... Yeah, who knows? Yeah, who knows, yeah, right? <laughs> On paper, though, he looks... Ask Mel. Again, I'm not Mitch Kuyper. <laughs> Right. But yes, he's supposed to be one of the, but yeah, get him, yep, yep. get a great, I'd like to see you get the best center in the draft. And I'd like to see, I know this is going to probably sit wrong with some people. The fourth thing that I'd like, wide receiver. Really? Yeah. We yeah. don't have a third that you're in? I'm tired of it. I'm tired of Dia. I'm tired of a lot of things. <laughs> I got tired of watching it. I'm tired of Vancouver. <laughs> I'm tired of Victoria, British Columbia. Man, and how more. clean the place is. I'm tired of people talking about it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of you chewing tobacco. Oh, God. No I'm tired of, about the Seahawks not being able to stop anybody. So those are the two defensive players. 
I'm tired of watching centers whiff yep. and get blown up and having them have undersized journeyman centers from other teams. I'm tired of that. Okay. And I'm tired, frankly, of having to hold my breath that Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are going to be healthy for all 17 games. Oh, okay. I'm tired of watching D. Eskridge. Yeah. I'm done with him. Yeah. These journeymen that they bring in. Yeah. For a year and then come in and out the door. They need a wide receiver. I think they need a wide receiver. Geno needs a wide receiver. So if, if let me ask you this. If, if those two were, let's say, healthy 17 weeks, like you could guarantee that, yeah. would you still want them to go out and get a third? Yes, but maybe not in the first two rounds. Because I look I'd at be okay is, with you waiting until, let's say, the third or fourth round to pick a wide receiver. Because when you have those two, it feels like you or I could play the third receiver and get open. You know what I mean? It feels like you don't have to... You don't have to spend a, a big pick on someone with extreme talent. And how's that working out for them? The third guy getting open. Well, they're the not healthy, so it's like. Oh, you're saying that? Well, you know, if 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 you knew they were playing all seventeen, if they're healthy, it feels like the third guy should be able to just get open whenever he wanted. I love Tyler Lockett just like the next guy, but I feel like he's getting up there. It's true. Yeah. How many more years are you going to get reliable? like exceptional wide receiver play for Tyler Lockett. Yeah. He strikes me as a guy that might hit the wall one of these days. And when he does, are you prepared? What if you have a great all-around team and Geno's having a great year and the running backs are running wild and your defense is improved, but let's say in week eight, DK Metcalf gets hurt. Right. And you're like six and one going into that eighth week or five and two going into that eighth week. And DK Metcalf is going to miss... Four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. Mm -hmm. Now what? Yeah. You're in trouble. You're up shit's creek. That's right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, who you who you turning to? D. Eskridge? Who are you turning to? Who can't seem to find the field either. So yeah. Need a wide receiver. Yeah. I know they'll pick a wide receiver, probably in the late rounds. He'll be a project. Yeah. Former tight a, end. They'll, uh, they'll draft a wide receiver in, in the sixth round, and everybody will say, what a steal. Oh, my oh. God. I can't believe that guy wasn't drafted in the third round. <laughs> he used to play he was, on, he was on everybody's charts. <laughs> right. He's a converted center. That's right. Yeah. No, okay, let me ask. Is there any chance that, that they could move up and get five and six, or is that just not possible? Five and six? Yeah, so take that 20th. No. There, there, there's no. Why would you want five and six? Well, you want two defensive players. Yeah, you can get another one at 20. Yeah, but not Will Anderson or uh, Carter. You, you may not get any of those. Well, Carter you can get probably at five, but I think it, the more and more people write about the draft and speculate, yeah. Will Anderson's going to be gone. That would be amazing if they can get both of those guys somehow. Yeah. No? Now, but how excited would you be then going to bed at midnight? But what I'm telling you is you're focused on those two guys, and I'm telling you there are a lot of good defensive players besides okay. those two guys. And you can get two of those top guys at five and 20. Yeah. 20. Maybe they'll move up from 20. I don't know. I don't know. I do, I'll just say it again. Until they draft a quarterback at number five, I do not believe they're taking a quarterback. No, they're not taking To a all of these websites that keep telling me, nope. oh, nope. look at the selfies. They're going to take a quarterback. They're in love with Anthony Richardson. I think every one of those articles is bullshit. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, I I may be wrong. They're not. Again, I don't have any inside information. Yeah. And maybe they'll surprise me. And number five will come up and they'll pick a quarterback. And then I'll come on the show and I say, I was, r r r r I was wrong. <laughs> right. But until that, until I see, until I see, because let me tell you something. 
If, if John Schneider's listening, like he needs me to tell him, yes, I want to talk to John Schneider directly if he's considering taking a quarterback at number five when we need all these defensive players and all this defensive help. If you pick a quarterback at number five now, let's let's state the obvious on Mitch Unfiltered. This is not unfiltered. This is obvious. Mitch obvious, yeah. okay? You draft a quarterback at five, he better be yep. a franchise-changing quarterback. All pro level quarterback. Right. I ain't talking. Derek Carr is not good enough. Right. That's right. Okay. Jared Goff, not good enough. Yep. Daniel Jones, not good enough. If you pick a guy at five, God help you. As my dad would say, <laughs> right. You start shaving too young. God help you. What? Don't 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 start shaving. Is that a thing? Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. You start shaving too young. What happens? Mitch, don't do it. Dad, I think I want to start shaving. <laughs> this is like nineteen. Uh, 83. I think I want to start shaving. Don't do it. God help you. Once you start, you're going to have a lifelong, lifelong shaving in front of you. You got plenty of years. Don't start. I see. Once Once you start, it comes in heavier and heavier and heavier. Don't start. God help you. What what age are you when you first shaved? Because I remember vividly. 42. (laughs) All I'm saying is you pick a quarterback number five. He better be Josh Allen. Yep. He better be Justin Herbert. He better be Patrick Mahomes. He better be Joe Burrow. You take Anthony Richardson. I'm holding you to the... It's just one little podcast done in a Bellevue house. Right. I am holding you to the... Anthony Richardson or Will Levis or C.J. Stroud or whoever you pick better be Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, or Joe Burrow. I don't want one of these guys that's like good. Yeah, he's good, but he's not taking you anywhere. Those guys you draft at 20 and 25 and 30. Now, you want to draft a guy at 20, a quarterback at 20, Hendon Hooker? You want to draft a quarterback at 37 in the second round? Then I'm not going to hold you to he better be a friend. At number five, right. he better be a franchise-defining quarterback. The face of – he doesn't have to start right away. Gino could start – he doesn't even have to start the first year. Yeah. But once he does start, he better be Russell frickin' Wilson, yep. what he was for you for 10 years. Do you agree or disagree? T- completely. At okay. number five, yes. And I don't think he's going to – I don't think – I got a hard time believing he thinks that one of these guys or the guy that's going to be available that, at five That's the key. Is what, that guy. What you just said is the key. Who's going to be available? Let's say he loves somebody, but what are the odds he's going to be there? I'm not so, sure any of the guys are that guy. Right. They may not be, but let's say you want a quarterback. You're going to get whatever's left. You don't even get the pick of the litter of no, the quarterbacks. No, 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 no. So it's not like you can say, I know for a fact that guy's going to be a star. You may not get him. So don't take one just to take one is what I'm saying. Right. Well, I don't Make think you'll sure, take one to yeah, just take one. I don't think you will. So we'll see Thursday. Oh, exciting. I, want, I just want defense. I want defense in this draft so badly. Just do what you got to do. Get me two defensive studs. But they're probably, just be prepared, they're probably going to be defensive players that you don't know That's fine. offhand. That's fine. You're going to see their highlights. A first-round pick to me should start. I've always said that. I think a first-round pick should start their rookie year. If you get me two starters on defense, I'll be stoked with that. Yeah. And you know, if you're not stoked, you know when you will be stoked? When's that? When John Schneider comes to the microphone yeah. after he picks number 20, the linebacker out of like Mississippi State, whoever it is, and he says, we couldn't believe that he was available. <laughs> we would have taken him that number one over- overall. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Oh, we were taking. I love that. So great. They say we it. were stunned. We were in disbelief. We were trying Jeez. to trade up. He's going to say when when, when when the twelfth pick came up, and we were sitting at twenty. Yeah, yeah. Okay, guys. When the 12th pick came up and we're sitting at 20, 
We were making calls trying to move up to 12, trying to get the, <laughs> and he fell all the way to 20. All right. Yeah. D. Scrooge probably said that about him, right? And as soon as he finishes, I'm like ready to run through a wall to see this That's guy. That's right. Play. Oh, right. YouTube. Come on. Show me the highlights. <laughs> I can't wait. I think one thing everybody could agree on when talking about the draft for sure is that Mock drafts on the radio are fucking torture. Can we all agree on that, please? Mock drafts on the radio. Uh, Did you ever do that on your show? Where you I had like know. 32 different no, listeners no, no, each that was That was the afternoon oh, show. That was my. the afternoon show. Oh. That was the... Uh, Not Gas wouldn't do that. No, it was no. the other afternoon show. Uh -oh. The current <laughs> afternoon show. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. Oh, mock yeah. I don't know if they still do it. They, they used to go to a, a restaurant and... Yeah. And have and I think they had like members like members of the community like Joe and Puyallup to make the pick for no each. I think you're right yeah. Yeah, yeah but like someone represents the Lions and yeah, then another yeah, guy yeah, yeah. Woo wee I don't think our show's still doing that it can't be first of all it's such a cop out bit you're just milking Scott, like three hours yes you and I are the ones sitting here doing a podcast okay? <laughs> we're not catching radio checks sorry <laughs> okay fair point be careful I take it all back I'll there's, do one tomorrow there's only two guys right now spending a Sunday night in my uh, in that's my playroom right. that's right okay. yes oh, <laughs> true God. and just think we could be in Vancouver that's right. oh yes. live show live show let's go yeah it'll be a clean live show it was we great. won't be able to curse because it's very clean in Vancouver yeah and they're not the Canucks aren't good so they're not going to tear the place up or light it on fire episode 236 three interviews and then the other stuff segment my man, Jay Flo, Jordan Flowers. He runs the Woodenville office of Cross Country Mortgage. He's a jet setter, too. Lego land with the family. A Cavaliers game in Cleveland with Cross Country Mortgage. I hope you don't forget your mediocre friends here in Seattle, Jordan. Never, never. All the jet setting, it's just puffery, Mitch. Just puffery. Oh, very good, Jordan. Very good. Danny O'Neill will be very impressed. Good time to be a buyer in the Pacific Northwest. True or false? False. Absolutely true. Great time to be a buyer right now. Uh, buyers are not having to get into a lot of multiple offer situations and escalate like they were a year ago. Huh? They're coming to reasonable agreements with sellers, not having to waive all their conditions just to get considered. And they're able to get a lot of credits to help pay for closing costs or even take advantage of helping buy that rate down. And last week, I understand you locked in a buyer with an interest rate, at least at the outset in the threes. People listening to this are going to say, that's not humanly possible. True or false, Jordan Flowers, and how? True. So as referenced in the past, we are taking advantage of these temporary buy-downs in the market. What we're doing is taking that seller credit and getting enough to offer the ability to temporarily buy down an interest rate from, say, the start rates are in the mid-sixes, upper sixes, and get them starting at 3% the first year and elevates to 4 and then 5 and then the note rate. But with Within those first year or two with rates will come down, they then can refinance into that long-term secured fixed rate. All right. So what am I paying attention to if I'm a buyer or seller? What numbers as they come out over the next weeks and months? Yeah. Uh, two key markers to be watching is the CPI numbers coming out because the last year's CPI number will fall off, which it was a monster in March last year. If we get a lower reading this year, that will then be indicating inflation is coming down which will be great for long-term mortgage-backed securities. And then keep an eye on the 10-year treasury. If we can get that 10-year treasury number down to about 3.2, 3.25, it's going to be an excellent time for anybody that has purchased in the 
last year to look to refinance and lower that interest rate as well. And if you're looking to refinance, if you're looking to lower that interest rate as well, as he says, you're going to call first Jordan Flowers and his team at Cross Country Mortgage phone number. 425-890-2957. Jordan Flowers, the Woodenville office of Cross Country Mortgage. Great, great partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. With the 19th choice in the first round, Seattle selects running back Sean Alexander. That's a good job. Detroit is on the clock. So some could argue without hyperbole that this week is one of the biggest in terms of shaping the immediate future for the Seattle Seahawks. The NFL draft, all the picks, 10 that I count, the high first rounder, which brings along options like moving down and adding more. While my friend Mules has been concentrating on building an XFL winner for Seattle, he's also very much tuned in on what may be happening behind closed doors. Former NFL executive of the year, Randy Mueller. How are you, Mules? I'm doing great, Mitch. Good to be back with you, talking a little draft. Haven't seen you in a while, so always fun to, to rekindle a few good laughs, you know? Yeah, you were a part of a lot of draft rooms. A <laughs> lot of draft rooms. Maybe yeah. 30 of them or 25 of them or something like uh, that. Maybe more, yeah. Okay, maybe <laughs> <Yeah>. more. Uh, <laughs> take us behind closed doors as we are now hours, a couple of days, hours from the NFL draft. What's happening in Seahawks headquarters and in other headquarters around the league? Well, I think right now, if teams haven't finished uh, their draft stacking process, they're pretty close to it. So they kind of know how they like all the players, how they've been aligned versus other players at all positions. So they kind of know where their board is and how it lays out. I think the last few days, and and I think this is pretty much league-wide, you kind of strategize. You then put your plan in place. You've done most of your reconnaissance, per se, around the league. So you've got a lot of different things. And and now is a time to kind of strategize, figure out what you want to do with these picks, and go through a ton of mock drafts. Try to prepare yourself for every scenario that's possible. I used to love this time of year because it was the the heavy work is done at this point. Now you're kind of theorizing and and uh, conspiracy thinking and everything else to try to sort it all out these next few days. By Tuesday, maybe even Monday night, you're kind of set, and then you just let it marinate for a couple of days and and see what changes may come. You, I, I, I guarantee you, John Snyder's working the phones. Every team is right now Mm -hmm. just trying to let people know, hey, if this, then this, we might be interested if this happens. Right. We're always interested in trading down. So if you have something pop up, you want the phone to ring. So there's a lot of things right now, again, just uh, gathering information, which allows you to kind of be more prepared on draft day. You may have just answered the next question. I've often talked about on this podcast, my one opportunity and experience in a draft room during the draft. Mike Holmgren invited me in one year and I sat there quietly in the corner and watched it all take place. And a number of things really kind of struck me that I didn't know on the outside. One of which was how much incredible information the team had about what was going to happen before them. They, they knew, I mean, all these mock drafts, the wrong people are doing these mock drafts. It should be the teams that are doing the mock drafts because right. the Seahawks knew what was coming two picks before it came. So how mm-hmm. sure do you think they are as we sit here today 
about what's going to happen with the four picks in front of them at five. Hey, let's face it. It's not a hobby, right? <laughs> it's not a hobby. We don't sit around and on Saturday mornings, go to the club and, and see what everybody else knows. You know, that's not the way it works. No. So, so yeah, it's Intel, it's valuable information. You'll get a kick out of this and, and how times have changed. Uh, you remember who Will McDonough was sure. a great writer for sure. the Boston Globe. He put the, he put the guy in the locker. We all know yeah. about that. Raymond Clay. He, he, he yeah. was the king of information back then. Yeah. And I remember this is how times have changed. Chuck Knox used to come in a week or so before the draft, maybe a day like today. And he would throw this list down in front of the powers that be on the desk and say, you guys have been sitting around here for three months. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. Here's the way it's going to go. And you know what? It was pretty close. Really? Really? (laughs) Will McDonough would have it and Chuck would have it. And he used to make fun of all of us and everybody in Uh, charge that we wasted the last three months while he was in Palm Springs playing golf. And he knew more than we did. That's a great one. (laughs) I'm going to ask you a question that I am going to take pride in that I don't think you've been asked, which is pretty hard about the draft. It's kind of a weird question, but when you think about it, maybe makes a little sense. They've got 10 picks as I count them. Is there such a thing as too many picks? In a, there's got to be a point where, okay, that's just too many guys for us to bring in. And we've got, you, you know, we've got cap situations and we can't keep them all. We've just got too many because if we're talking about John Schneider moving down from five and adding picks, now we're talking about 11, 12, or is he looking to add picks for future drafts? To answer your question, the answer is yes, you can have too many picks because you're not going to have slots for all those guys to make your team. In in a real world, if you had, you know, six or seven draft picks, make your team, that's plenty. So I do think they're valuable to have picks, like you mentioned, because you can maneuver with those picks. You can go up, you can go down, you can look for quality to fill a need later in a draft, and you see there's only two linebackers available left. You might want to go get one of them that you feel really strongly about, but you bring up a great point. And I think most of the prognosticators would agree next year's draft may be a little higher quality than this year's draft from a depth standpoint. Okay. So maybe he uses some of those picks to maneuver next year. I don't think you could think beyond that, but yes, I think picks are valuable, but you've got to limit kind of where you're talking about when, when you're going to, bring in, I, I will surely wouldn't want 10 rookies on my team. That's for sure. Cause that's a recipe for a disaster <laughs> right, itself. Right. So I think you'll, you, you'll find them move some picks around and the flavor of the year every year is, Oh, we're going to trade down. We're going to trade down. And to John's credit and the Seahawks credit, they've been able to do that a lot. So fan bases and people think that's easy to do. Having sat in that chair for, I don't know, like you said, many, many years, it is not easy to find a dance partner. Right. It sounds easy to say, we'll just trade down. Right. I spent many draft days working my butt off to try to make a deal to trade down and get shut out. So eventually you have to make a pick. I think the Seahawks uh, have been in good hands and, and and handled correctly in that they have been able to trade down a lot and gain more assets because of it. But that's easier said than done. So you can't bank on that every year. Randy, you've said to me in the past that you're not enamored with a few of these quarterbacks. We'll get to that in a second. But the league is still about quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. So on one hand, if all four of the top quarterbacks go before the Seahawks pick at five, they can get their hands on their very favorite non-quarterback in the entire draft class. Whatever player they think is the best non-quarterback, they'd have their, their pick of. 
at that point. On the other hand, if only three quarterbacks go, and let's say one defensive player or one other player goes before them, now I would imagine there might be a team beneath them that would overpay slightly to get the fourth quarterback at number five. So my question is long-winded way of asking, which do you think they would prefer? Which scenario? A, all four quarterbacks get taken and they get their choice of anybody else? Or B, one of those quarterbacks doesn't or two of those quarterbacks don't get taken and now they've got customers calling them at number five? Um, I'm not sure which angle I want to start with on that okay. question because it's multifaceted. Okay. Um, I would be shocked if there were four quarterbacks taken. I might be shocked if there were three. Okay. I, I think most of the evaluators on the outside have a total different picture than NFL people do. And that was the case last year as well. I don't think anybody's trading up for Will Levis or Anthony Richardson or anybody else into the top five. Because those guys, for most of the NFL people, are projects. So they've been prepped up and propped up for narratives to to make, I think, media have something to talk about. I surely don't see it. I think they would be thrilled if four quarterbacks went because they'd get the best player maybe in the draft if that was the case. Okay. I just don't think that's realistic. All of this quarterback talk, and I could be wrong, I surely wouldn't draft three of these four guys or which maybe three? two of the four which, guys which three which two levis and richardson you told me before richardson yeah. no way no way no right? chance no i mean i i think some some prospect that's a year away from being a year away is going to get us both fired mitch might get you fired for bringing it up too and you have nothing to do with it trust me <laughs> but that's the way it is i, I mean trust you. i understand it's a quarterback league and everybody yeah. thinks you ought to have a quarterback whether yeah. you think it's valid or not is yeah. is you know, why Baskin Robbins has 31 flavors. You all get to pick your own flavor, you know. I just don't see it. I do see some really good defensive players. Now, there's some risk involved with every pick, but we'll see. I think I think the Seahawks should and will take the best available player on their board, and their board will be stacked accordingly to what they need and okay. value the most. Okay. You scoffed at Richardson. You scoffed at Levis. You talked about the other two, I don't know where you stand. I know you and I have talked about Young. You're worried about his size. Of course, we're all worried about his size. So how about C.J. Stroud? You and I, I don't know that we've talked in depth about Stroud, where you are on Stroud. You like him the best of the bunch? I do. I like him a lot. I think he checks the most boxes of all these guys. He's six foot three. He's accurate. He processes information. He can get the ball out on time. He's fairly athletic. Now, Here's the other thing that those of us, and I'm including myself, don't know, mm -hmm. is we don't know how he learns. We don't know his football IQ to learning. The NFL teams know so much more than us, Mitch, it's scary. That's why I, I hesitate to make any definitive statements because I know about a tenth what they know inside an NFL office. That's just the way it is. So we all look at film and we think we can decipher everything and we just can't. There's so much intangible information that we don't have. So I do like Stroud. I obviously, um, the Alabama quarterback is good and I, I like him. Yeah, yeah I, I like him a lot, but he's not an outlier for this draft, Mitch. He's an outlier for the history of the draft. No quarterback his size has ever been picked 
one or two. Trust me, you can do all the research you want. Mm-hmm. I've been around for 40 of these 80 drafts and, and there's no chance <laughs> okay. that anybody like that's been picked. So okay. there's risk there as well. So it's going to be fun to follow. I think there is good value on players, probably in, in the top 10 for sure. Mm-hmm. And you'll see some maneuvering around. I'm not sold that it'll be maneuvering around for a quarterback. Okay. That's all. all right, two, that's just my opinion. All right. Two last ones for you. Randy Mueller. Terrific. I mean, terrific. <laughs> should be on. Forget Mel Kuyper. It should be Randy Mueller. Have you and I discussed Jalen Carter? And what, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. And what? I mean, you've gone, as you said, you've been in the rooms, you've been you've been part of a team that makes decisions, and then you've been the lead of teams that make decisions. <sighs> mm-hmm. And this is uh, you know, this is a conversation that's been had for years and years and years about different guys and will be had long after you and I are are gone. Yep. Has he committed crimes that have been, you know, worthy of jail time? No. Has he killed anybody? No. Has he shown immaturity? Yes. Has he made some questionable character decisions in terms of getting in that car and racing after he had already been cited for going to? Yes. Where are we as a organization if Randy Mueller is involved in the conversations on a guy like Jalen Carter? Well, I have been in on a lot of these kinds of conversations and It's usually, Mitch, not a one-event or even two-event cut-and-dried scenario. But my my guess is that, and I know this for a fact, that every NFL team has built a dossier on this kid for two or three years. So what I want to know is how high is the pile, and are there other events that tend to be questionable? Um, If there are four or five of them, it'd be a hard one for me, because the... History is the best indicator of the future. That is a fact. Now, uh, hold and, on, hold on a second. Now, I just want to get you on the on the. You say that would be a hard one for me. Now that can be defined one of two ways: that I wouldn't draft him high, but maybe later on in the draft I would take a shot at him. Or that can mm-hmm. be defined as no, I, I just can't have that guy in the facility. I'm not. I'm taking him off the board entirely. What do you mean by I'd have a hard time with that? Well, I think NFL teams have and will do both of your scenarios with him. Okay. Because I think there are a pattern of events here that I don't know all the details behind, but NFL teams do. So the fact that it would be really hard is what I'm saying is I don't know that I could risk a top five pick if I had a laundry list of things that make me question character, that make me question all kinds of the stuff that intangibles do matter. And do I want this around at any, at any price? That's one for each team to make. From what I know now, it might be a struggle to, to pick him up there, you know, in the top five, but I do think he'll get drafted high and it might be in the top 10. I don't know. It might be first for all okay. I know. Okay. I just, it, it, it depends on the, the ownership. It depends on what your criteria is and what you're okay with. And again, I'm not saying this kid has a 50 list of 50 things, but there are some things and everybody has built this dossier of information. And and if he doesn't get drafted in the top five, you can pretty much guarantee that most of these teams know a lot more than we do. You said you like Stroud. You said you're worried about young size. You said you don't like the other two quarterbacks. We haven't really discussed any non-quarterbacks out of, outside of now Jalen Carter. 
Who do you like? <laughs> I, I mean, you're you're busy, and and I and I want our audience to understand. And I think Randy does an incredible job. And I want to throw some bouquets your way. You, <laughs> you don't sit there saying, "Hey, here's the way it is." You often remind us, "I'm not in the rooms anymore." So I know you just said a, a few minutes ago. I know a tenth of what these guys know in the rooms. Now, if you were in the room, you would know a lot more. So. When you look at whatever film you have looked at in between XFL games, which guys kind of jump off and why to you, Randy? I actually have looked at quite a bit of film and I have had some study time to do this. So I don't say this lightly. Okay. There are several guys that I really liked and enjoy watching. Okay. Obviously, Will Anderson is one. We've talked briefly about him. His ability to rush the passer is, is unique. And this is a fact too. Guys who make sacks in college, Used to make sacks in the NFL. So is he stiff? Somebody said he's he plays a little stiff. You see that? I would agree with that. He's stiff in the hips and in the ankles, but he has a relentless effort and can run all kinds of games and still has a knack for getting around a corner and closing on a quarterback. Okay. He's not, he's not. Who's the the, the rusher from the Chiefs? Uh, Derek that made all the sacks for the chief for years and Derek passed Thomas. away. Derek Thomas. Yes, he's no Derek Thomas. The he's guy, not Derek Thomas. The guy who had six against seven against your yeah. team, for God's sakes. <laughs> that I was at, yeah. He's not him. He's not Bruce Smith. He's yeah. not one of those guys. Yeah. More of a Neil Smith type. Do you remember Neil Smith sure, with course, the Broncos, yeah, sure, sure. Nebraska guy? Sure. A little bit of that kind of style as a rusher. So is I he, like him a lot. Is he the best non-quarterback in your eyes that you've seen in the draft? Um, would I draft him? In the top five, yes. Uh, I think it is a group of guys. Um, there's him. Yeah. There's uh, Dalton Kincaid, who, and I'm not for picking tight ends, but he's a tight end at Utah that I loved watching. Really? You're, Had a great time watching tight him. ends at me. I can't believe a that. Special, a special uh, talent that is more than a tight end because I think he's a pass catcher. I could see Dalton Kincaid get drafted before a wide receiver. Wow. And that, I don't know if that's ever happened. Wow. Okay. So that's how good he is. All right. There's a couple running backs, B. John Robinson from Texas, who would be in my top five. I know he's a running back and everybody's devalued runners. This guy's special, can change games. I really like him a lot. Yeah. Uh, a tackle from Georgia, Broderick Jones, who has, again, a little bit of intangible red flag stuff, yeah. but is a elite left tackle who's going to play a long time if he can keep his nose clean. So there's a few guys corners? that I would love to have. Any Pardon corners? Uh, yeah, there's a corner at, at Oregon. Um, why is my name? Uh, it's okay. Find we'll find it. There's a corner from Oregon that is li I listed as my number one corner. He's a, a, a redshirt sophomore that played elsewhere and only transferred to Oregon one year. And for some reason, I don't have my notes in front of me. Okay. He is as athletic as I've seen. He's over 6'1", um, really a skilled player, even probably more athletic than even a Sauce Gardner was last year, who has the length. But this kid's really athletic, and and I mean direction changing, can play press. He would fit Pete's defense to a T. Beautiful. Um, yeah. He'd be an awesome guy to have yeah. at their spot if yeah. he were there. And again, I don't know how they size him up. But I found three or four corners that I think are worthy of top 15 picks for sure. I've been watching um, this center because I think the Seahawks need a center so desperately. The mm -hmm. best center apparently plays from Minnesota or played at Minnesota Michael Schmitz or Schmitz Michael or something like that. Sch mm -hmm. Schlitz Molt Liquor 
beer or <laughs> something like that. I, I just wondered, have you seen anything on him? Have you watched him? I have him? not. Okay. I know who he okay. is, but yeah. I have not okay. studied him. Okay. I think the kid who might end up being the best center is actually the best lineman, Peter Storonsky from Northwestern. Okay. Who people He played left tackle at Northwestern. People oh. are seeing him as a guard. I'm not so sure he's not a really good center at the NFL level. You're going to have to pick him pretty high, too, because I know a lot of teams love him. Most boards, I think, would have him at or near the top. Solid in every way. Peter Skoronsky from Northwestern. Gotcha. Ladies and gentlemen, there he is. My guy. Man, he's good. I don't I don't know. XFL is <laughs> thrilled to have him, but I don't he should be on ESPN. He shouldn't be on Mitch Unfiltered. He should be doing a lot bigger things than Mitch Unfiltered, that's for sure. I'll tell you what he's gonna be doing in about three weeks is fishing in Idaho. And so <laughs> you can book that one, Mitch. And if we do this show, I'm gonna be on a boat on Lake Coeur d'Alene. That's good by and you me. may or may not be able to get me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Randy Mueller. Love it. Thank you, Randy. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Mitch. Ladies and gentlemen, she's the director of financial planning at our Mitch Unfiltered partner, Evergreen Golf Call, Katie Versio. She's also my arch nemesis when it comes to financial trivia. Katie, how are you? How's everyone over at Evergreen Golf Call? I'm doing well, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Everybody's good over there. Our theme today is what? So today we're doing a market update. Okay, which brings us to three questions. I typically go over three. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good today, so I'm ready for question number one. As I know we discussed quite a bit over the last few months, 2022 was the worst year on record for a balanced portfolio with both stocks and bonds down double digits. Mm -hmm. So true or false? In 2023, both stocks and bonds are up. Is that true or false? It's absolutely true, Katie Bercio. That's right, yes. it is true. So the market is off to a much better start this year, even though there's a lot more economic uncertainty. Mm -hmm. The stock market's up about 8% and bonds are up nearly 3%. Very good, and I am up one for one, which screams at me, quit Mitch, quit right now and go out one for one. But I'm not gonna do it, I'm gonna press my luck. What's question number two, Katie? Okay, so number two is another true or false. We'll see how you do with this one. So the yield curve is currently inverted, meaning that short-term interest rates are higher than long-term interest rates. Is that true or false? I'm gonna say false, Katie, that's false. Oh, it's actually true. Wow. So I know it's uh, it's counterintuitive. Typically, you think the longer time frame you have, the more interest you get. Mm -hmm. But it's actually the opposite in this environment. It's typically an indication of a recession, and you actually get more interest for shorter time periods. That's actually surprising. It leaves me one for two. I'm not quitting. I'm continuing to press my luck. I'm going two for three. What's question number three, Katie? The 10-year treasury currently pays an interest rate of 3.5%. So knowing what we talked about in number two, right. what do six-month treasuries yield? So 10-year yields three and a half. Does a six-month treasury yield 4%, 5%, or 6%? We know more. Question is how much more? I'm going B. I'm going 5% for 667. I'm going 5% for two out of three today. That's right, it is 5%. So it's an interesting environment where 
you only get three and a half percent for holding a position for 10 years, wow. but you get 5% on the short term. So it's a really interesting environment with interest rates elevated at this level. We think now is a good time to lock in return. You can get better interest rates on money markets now. There's a lot more options for investors to park their cash than just a regular savings account. It's an unusual time in the world, the financial world, and they are there for you. Evergreengk.com. Not only a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered and part of the reason that we are possible on this podcast, but just a terrific resource. So check them out, evergreengk.com. And once again, it's great to be joined by John Waterstrat, the owner of Fireside Home Solutions, always a great sponsor, title sponsor of our Beat the Boys competition. John, how are you? Doing great, Mitch. Thanks for having me on. Another football season is in the books, and we know football season is synonymous with fireplaces and Fireside Home Solutions, but still some cold and damp months ahead, John. Yep, there is definitely some cold, damp months ahead, and there's no better time to buy than these couple months. Uh, February seems to always have a little bit of rain and we're getting those cold weathers. Our, our lead times are down. We want you to get those products into your home and keep you nice and cozy and warm. And also we have some great discounts coming. Soup to nuts. What's the time frame now? So we're at about two weeks. Installers are getting a little bit of our lead times down. So two weeks, we can get that product right into your house and no better time than now. Allow me, John, to ask you the question I asked our other partners. How was 2022 for Fireside? The good and the challenges. What would you say? Oh, well, if I've looked back on that, you know, stock definitely being one of those big issues that we had. But again, we we were blessed with just great customers and being able to get those fireplaces in and be able to stock products that we needed to and people being patient with us and uh, really thankful to have a great year this year. So if you could snap your fingers and accomplish a few specific goals in 2023, besides your Seahawks winning the Super Bowl, what would they be for Fireside Home Solutions, John? Five star service to all our customers, but most importantly is keep our lead times down. You know, we want to be able to help as many customers as we can out there. And lead times are important, you know, to get through customers, just like if you're at any kind of restaurant or anything, you want to be able to get to those customers as soon as possible. And like I said, I think stock will be better this coming year. We want to keep our lead times down so we can accomplish a lot next year. I can genuinely say that Mitch Unfiltered would not be where we are four and a half years later without our terrific sponsor, John Waterstrat and Fireside Home Solutions, literally the title sponsor of every audience contest that we do on the podcast. So begin your search for a new fireplace at firesidehomesolutions.com. Unfiltered. The ride of Michael Penix. You do hand it to Davis and he's into the end zone for the first Husky touchdown here today. Camp Davis. Episode 236, Mitch Unfiltered, continues with a little Huskies football spring chatter. He was terrific with the athletic, and now he has his own deal. It's called On Mont Lake. Christian Capel is with us. How are you, Christian? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Lots has changed in your world since we last visited on the podcast anyway. Care to share with our audience? Yeah, so uh, I guess that was late February. You know, you log on to a, a pre-scheduled Zoom call with a, a couple of your bosses and 15 minutes later, you, you don't have a job. That's how it goes in this business, I guess. I was reading something recently. It's not the first time I've, I've seen, you know, it put this way, but 
It's like if you haven't if you haven't been laid off in journalism, all that means is you haven't been laid off yet. So <laughs> yeah, they got they got me. They got me. But um So on your uh, on your Twitter explanation, you said something like they were discontinuing the job. How could yeah. they, how could the athletic be discontinuing coverage of the Washington football team at this moment in time when they're about to win five national championships in a row now. <laughs> <laughs> it is odd timing coming off an 11 and two season and the excitement coming back and everything. You know, I, I wish I had an explanation. They, they didn't really say anything other than, you know, if, if I'm remembering right, it was like they're, they're always evaluating the markets and the teams they're covering and some of the, the smaller teams and smaller markets. And I know it's, it's maybe strange for, you know, folks listening to a Seattle sports podcast to think of university of Washington as a, a smaller team or smaller market, but right. relative to, you know, every NBA and NFL and MLB team, they cover it. I guess, it, I guess it kind of is. I mean, it must be, they're looking at some sort of numbers, right? So I knew um, that there was a subscriber base there just from what I'd built over the last four and a half years. And so I was, pretty optimistic starting out launching the Substack venture launching on Montlake and I've been I've been really pleased with um you know folks who have come over so far. So tell everybody what on Montlake is, how to get involved, how much it's going to cost us, do we have to get a second mortgage to be able to read Christian Capel's coverage of the University of Washington? Is it just football or is it football and basketball? And were you ever this is a lot I know I'm asking like 12 questions at one time. That's what I do. Were you ever concerned that you wouldn't have access? You had to have access to the program. Washington had to give you access to the program for you to for you to be able to pull this off. Yeah, I, I definitely was never concerned about that, which is um, that's a nice thing to, to not have to be a burden and not have to think about. Because, yeah, a lot of times when you go independent and you're no longer tethered to an organization that you do kind of wonder. And, you know, I, I guess down the road when I, you know, I might need a credential or something from someone who isn't the university of Washington, you okay. maybe you wonder a little, but you know, UW helps out with that. And right. I can't imagine that being a, a huge issue. And then folks there were, you know, very proactive about reaching out and say, you know, however we can help. And, you know, you're, you're good to come out here, obviously, you know, whenever you want. So good. That, that was, it was good for that to, to just not have to be something to worry about. Um, yeah. I, so it's on Montlake as a, a site and newsletter on Substack, everything I write. Um, if you subscribe, go straight to your email inbox. You can read it there. It also lives on a, a separate website. They do have an app too, that, that is, is pretty easy to use. Um, it's $65 an annual subscription um, there is a, a friend of the program tier for 150 dollars for folks who want to support at a higher level been pretty pleased with uh, the number of people who have signed up on that tier and that includes a, a monthly zoom call with me and, and all of the friends of the program to just oh. kind of talk husky football informally for an hour and then you also get priority for mailbag questions so that's that's a big one too uh, <laughs> but otherwise it's 65 dollars a year eight dollars a month if you want to subscribe monthly right and you know if you followed me at the athletic i would say you could expect pretty similar coverage you know kind of stories that are a little bit different a little outside the box you know i like to write with personality and with some humor and I would say it's it's primarily a football site. I mean, everything I've done so far, it's been almost exclusively football. But, you know, I follow the basketball program. I'll, I'll pop in with with an opinion or some analysis there every now and then. And we'll we'll, we'll see what else comes of it. But nice. uh, football is definitely the focus. Nice. Nice. And how often how many times a week can we expect for our eight dollars a month to hear from you? I, so I, I expect I, for you since I, I, I subscribed last night to actually knock on my door 
<laughs> maybe twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Is that a possibility? Well, we can create, you know, I can I can have like a super friend of the program. Super you know, friend of the program. Okay. Discuss the financials on that one. But um, it, I, so I think the about the official about page says about three stories during spring. It's been more like four or five a week. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. And then, of course, Danny O'Neill and I also uh, have a weekly podcast, Say Who, Say Pod. And that's that. now yeah. that's now hosted on that site. And that goes straight to to subscribers in boxes. So I'd say during the off season, it'll be about three stories a week, um, you know, during spring ball, during the season, I'd be very surprised if it's not more than that. I'm very happy for you. I know that this is uh, a lot of times one door closes and the next one opens and you, you realize when you're inside the next room, wait a second, this is better, better than the last room that I was in. So congratulations on this. You work hard. You do a great job. I love to read it. I'm now a subscriber and I'm excited for the future and what it holds for you. On Saturday, this past Saturday, we have the famous spring game. Tons of anticipation. I don't know about the spring game, whether there's tons of anticipation, because not a lot of people showed up. But obviously, Penix and the wide receivers coming back. How good is this team, Christian, in the other areas, particularly on the offensive line and on the defensive side of the football? Yeah, I think they'll be better defensively, especially in the secondary. I, you know, I don't know. People who watched last season might be saying, well, geez, you know, how, how could they have gone backwards for, from that and all the injuries and inexperience and some busted coverages and stuff. But, yeah, they've upgraded at cornerback, I think. They went and got Jabbar Muhammad, who's an Oklahoma State transfer um, in the portal. And he's looked like that very solid veteran presence that they were kind of looking for. A guy who's played a lot of football, knows where he's going, knows what he's doing, has the confidence. Um, and, you know, then it's it's going to be some some other new faces who have been in the program, um, but just haven't been in that that spot yet. They really like what Elijah Jackson has done. He's a now because of covid, you've got fourth year sophomores and fifth year juniors. <laughs> so he's a he's a fourth year sophomore who came in in that 2020 class during covid. And last year was his first year really getting on the field, but he was banged up and he's this, you know, long dynamic athlete i think he had a 40 inch vertical this offseason he tests really well he's quick and he kind of gives them that that athletic look out there on the um at the cornerback spot and they've been really pleased with his progress this spring so it feels like those two guys are i don't want to say cemented but definitely the the front runners as the number ones at, at corner yeah and then yeah on the old line it does kind of seem like they've um they've settled on a top five for now again that competition will go into the summer and into the fall. There's some younger guys who are pushing, but you know they lost both guards in their center. It looks like Mateo Mele, another six-year senior, is, is going to step in at center. He's taken basically all the reps with the number one offense. Guy who's been in the program. He's played a lot as a backup. He's got one career start. He, I think he kind of knows what it looks like. Um, and then at guard, you know, Nate Kalepo and Julius Bulo, a couple of 2019 signees. It'll be their fifth year in the program. They've also started here and there and you know played a little bit last year, especially Kalepo. But this will kind of be, you know, I think they're really looking to those guys to sort of lead them forward and step up and be full time starters. So, you know, those are those are the sort of the three replacements for for Jackson Kirkland and Henry Binavalo and Corey Luciano, who who all I think did a good job last year. But uh, we'll, we'll see if maybe someone like Garen Hatchett could get involved, too. So you think they're a good team across the board? A very I mean, obviously. Penix, the wide receivers, the passing game is going to rule the day. But they're going to have to, with the schedule and the teams that they're actually playing as opposed to not playing from a year ago, they're going to have to be better than just Penix and the wide receivers for them to go to the 
national championship playoff? Are they good enough? Well, they're good enough to be that kind of team. They are. You know, whether I just think like especially in the in the Pac-12, you look at the log jam at the top of the standings last year and how many teams were involved in that tiebreaker and how many, you know, last minute one score games determined a ton of stuff right. one way or the other. Right. I think there's no question they're going to be good enough to be in that tier. Yes. And then whether they're a great team that can win 11 games, that can contend for potentially a playoff spot, you know, that's going to be decided in the margins. Does Michael Penix Jr. still make the huge throws in in clutch situations? Do they have a couple of dudes defensively who are going to step up and make plays on those big third downs? Right. Are they going to finish somewhere higher than last in the power five and passes defended, which they did last year? You know, are they going to create some turnovers? Are they, you know, finally going to get their hand on the football again and, and intercept some passes and change some games when they need it. And, you know, they're going to have to do that against a far more impressive slate of quarterbacks that they're facing. They got to deal with Caleb Williams this year, Cam Rising, assuming that he comes off of his injury okay, and DJ Uyunglele at Oregon State now. And um, it, it's, you know, Bo Nix obviously is back at Oregon. And right. Cam Ward did some nice things against them, at least in the first right. half of, of the Apple Cup last year. So yeah. they're going to be a lot, need to be a lot more consistent defensively, you know, to say that, like, Looking at a, a much tougher schedule, they're they're going to win. You know, every one of those games are all but but one or two. But I think the talent level is there for them to at least you know be in that top tier. Not that it matters much, but it sounds like the number one defense on Saturday accounted for themselves quite nicely. Couple of picks of Penix and Morris. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Javion Green, a sophomore corner, he he picked off Dylan Morris, um, kind of on a throw over the middle. He's trying to throw across his body a little bit. I think it was on third down. And then, yeah, Elijah Jackson uh, made a nice play to pick off uh, Penix. I thought that the they they held up pretty well. Um, okay. all, you know, they the defense took a a twenty five to nothing lead out of the gate with, with the scoring system that they were using. The offense kind of roared back and, and wound up winning it. But I think yeah, that the first team defensive line held up really well. There weren't really you know other than with the twos there was you know a, a busted coverage that led to a touchdown. But other than that, you know right. there really weren't a ton of explosives available. Romo Dunze got open for you know, maybe a couple catches of about 20 yards or so, but that's going to happen. That's an All-American receiver. So um, I, I thought that if you compare, you know, and I did think the defense improved as the year went along last year, but if you compare to this time last year where the defense was at, I, I think you, you see notable progress. All right, we checked the uh, corners off the box, or we checked the box off. Muhammad and Jackson, you think at this point, are the uh, are the starters. Does the Smalls transfer hurt at all? As an edge rusher, the Kennedy connection I, I see hasn't worked out very well for Washington. Yeah, I mean it takes uh, it takes your third most experienced guy out of the picture. He would have been coming into this year probably at least on the depth chart, but probably the third guy behind Braylon Trice and Zion Tupola Fatui. I think they were hoping maybe he could have taken a step to be a third guy the way that ZTF was last year behind Braylon Trice and Jeremiah Martin, but mm -hmm. he got banged up in spring. It sounded like there'd been some discussions with the coaching staff for a while, you know, about maybe he was thinking that a, a fresh start was going to be what was best for him. So, you know, they don't have any experience really behind those two starters. They've got a bunch of guys they like who are young and, and maybe on the raw side. They do have a senior um, who is, is a junior college transfer who played a little last year, but not a lot. So I think, you know, Zach Durfee, a transfer from University of Sioux Falls, he's also raw. He's really only played one year in college. He redshirted and then 
was a redshirt freshman D end of the D2 level, but had 11 sacks last season. So uh, I think he flashed a couple times in the, in the spring preview. Okay. Um, okay. Maybe put him down for a sack and a half in that game, uh, okay. depending how you want to look at it. But right. um, I think he'll play Lance Holtzclaw as a redshirt freshman. You know, he might be in the mix a little bit. Uh, Maurice Himes, a uh, 2021 signee who hadn't played a, a ton of football before his sophomore, junior year of high school. And, you know, he looks like a good athlete. So I think there's some guys that they're excited about, but they're also guys who haven't really played a lot of college football. Sometimes the, the seasons are decided by injuries, health. And anybody who's followed Michael Penix knows that last year was a little bit of an aberration from that standpoint. He stayed healthy. They've got Dylan Morris still there. I think he's 34 years old, but I'm not sure. Um, you just mentioned Morris. I guess that's a pretty good security blanket to have. Could he come in? In a game or two, let's assume they're undefeated four or five and zero, oh, and Penix gets banged up and he has to miss a week or two of Pac-12 play. Can Morris get the job done and keep the boat afloat until Penix comes back? I think so. I think he has enough grasp of the offense, and I think there's enough talent around him um, that you know. I put it this way: like if he had to play, I don't think that the coaching staff or his offensive teammates would lose a ton of confidence. Um, yeah, I think they they were very pleased with the way he still attacked everything despite not being the starter last year and kind of accepting that backup role. And, you know, I, Ryan Grubb has even gone so far as to, you know, give him a lot of credit for, you know, be, just kind of being part of how the whole operation works and his role on the sideline, even when he's not playing during games and stuff. So I think they're very high on his his IQ, his knowledge of the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's worked well with with Michael Penix and those guys, you know, get along and have a good relationship, which helps. So, you know, I, I thought um, we saw an improved Dylan Morris in camp last year. You know, I, I he he. Obviously, Michael Penix Jr. comes in and wins the job, but I did think that Dylan Morris got better from 21 to 2022, even though we didn't really get to see it on the field. So there, there's always going to be some drop off going from a Heisman Trophy candidate, you know, legit contender to your backup quarterback. But I don't know that uh, there are a ton of other schools out there with a starter the caliber of Michael Penix Jr. who are, are as confident in, in their backup just because of the football that he's played and his understanding of the offense. I saw in one of your pieces that they're not shy about talking publicly about national championships. I know if I were the coach, that would scare the shit out of me. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want that to happen. <laughs> I, would, I would cut that off in a hurry. Apparently, Kalen DeBoer is okay with it or doesn't hear it. Which which well, one is it? <laughs> I, I think he, you know, when he was asked last last season before last season about like what should the expectation be for Washington, you know, kind of what are your annual expectations for the program, right? And he said something to the effect of, you know, all I've ever known is is trying to win championships. So I think you know that attitude might filter from him, okay. you know, not just, and it's it's not about hey, it's national championship or bust. Hey, this is, you know, anything short of 15 and 0 is unacceptable. I think they just convinced a lot of guys coming from last year's team to put off the NFL for another year, play for the Huskies in 2023. And I think that a big talking point and something that came up a lot in those discussions of, hey, let's get the band back together was there's more out there. You know, 11 and 2 was fun and the Alamo Bowl was fun, but you know, this team didn't even play for a conference championship last year. Did not. So Did not. I, I think that yep. it was more about just looking toward what's possible and a belief that as exciting and everything as last year was that 
you know, there's more out there to accomplish. And, you know, I think Romo Dunze, I think, put it pretty well, which was that you don't want to shy away from what the expectation is. But, you know, they're also not going to you know hang their heads and go in the tank if, if they come up short of a national title. I think it's it's more just like allowing themselves to to dream of like the best thing possible. OK, I will say that as a brand new subscriber to on Montlake, an annual subscriber. I was too cheap to go for the big friends of family or whatever you call it. I was a little disappointed last night because when I subscribed, the first thing I did was search for the article where you break down every NIL dollar that Penix and Odunze <laughs> got. Because I know if anybody knows that information, if anybody's got the scuttlebutt on what it took or what kind of dollars these guys are looking at, it's Christian Cape. My guy, Christian Capel has to know. So come on. Throw, nobody's listening. Throw a couple of numbers at us. What, 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 what kind of what kind of deals did these guys get coming back? Yeah, that's what everybody wants to know. If I, <laughs> if I knew, I'd tell you. Come I on. <laughs> you might have an idea. I, I Listen, it's enough that uh, Penix had no problem taking his whole O-line out to dinner at El Gaucho last season and, and picking up the tab. There was, there, were, there, there was no one stake per lineman limit either, so. You know, I think I think you're probably talking about a four digit bill there pretty easily. And yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think he's having any trouble taking care of meals for his guys. We, so. we assume that Adunze did not get the same package that Michael got, right? That, I mean, that would be my guess. Panix is kind of like the the pinnacle of what uh, an NIL investment is going to be at Washington is in terms of like sixth year guy starting yeah. quarterback. Yeah nation's leading passer last year heisman trophy candidate would have been either a bottom first round or maybe second round pick in the draft i mean so there's that right yeah so i I can't imagine anyone like ever getting paid more than the quarterback in that scenario but um yeah i think uh i think a a couple of those guys who made the decision to come back are are probably not hurting this year sure they're not well what a schedule it is they've got oregon here as i remember usc there and they've got utah here and all those games happen within like a five or six week period. It's going to be very, very exciting. Hopefully Washington football lives up to the hype. A lot of hype going uh, going into the year surrounding this team. I'm very excited for you personally. I'm very excited for On Montlake. I'm very excited for my new subscription. I don't know. I don't know how many subscriptions I have now. Congratulations on all your newfound success, and I look forward to both having you on the show and reading your work as we move forward. Thank you, Christian. Thank you. I appreciate that. So what's the best spot in the Northwest to celebrate special occasions? Daniel's Broiler, of course. Here he is, Lindsay Schwartz, the CEO of Daniel's Broiler. How's everything in the restaurants, Lindsay? Hey, Mitch, it's going great. Yeah, we're, uh, as you know, we're coming up on Mother's Day, Sunday, May 14th, which is one of the busiest days of the year for us. And we love seeing moms and everybody celebrating together. So really excited for that. Danielsbroiler.com. At the time of this recording, how are reservations? Are they open for the locations on the actual Mother's Day? And if not, I guess Friday or Saturday, but you open early on Sunday. Yeah, at this point, we've got reservations and we make it a longer day. So normally Sundays, we just open for dinner. But for Mother's Day, we open at noon at the Leshy, South Lake Union and Bellevue locations. So a lot more opportunity for seating on Mother's Day. And it's going to be a great day. And will Lindsay Schwartz's mother be at a Daniel's Broiler location this Mother's Day? You know, we're still trying to work that out. But, but, but sometimes we go, as you know, sometimes we don't. We always go for Thanksgiving. But uh-huh. I got a question for you. Is, uh-huh. is, Hold on. But you've got to finish answering this question if she were to go this mother's day your mom 
A, would she be able to get a table or not? And B, if she went, what would she order? Okay, first of all, I would make the reservation early. That's why we would all get a table. I know enough to know you got to do that. Uh-huh. And uh, if she goes, I've, I've told you before, she loves Pacific Northwest salmon. That, yeah. That's her go-to a Mother's Day every day, even Thanksgiving, actually, for her. So that's how she rolls. But my question for you is, yeah. has your mother ever yeah. been to Daniel's Broiler on Mother's Day? Well, Seal Levy has been to Daniel's Broiler on multiple occasions, and I think special occasions, but I don't ever recall her being there on a Mother's Day because I don't ever recall her being here in the Pacific Northwest on Mother's Day. But if she were to be there on May 14th, she would not get the salmon. She would get the petite filet and have it cooked rare. She likes it red. She likes it bleeding. That's what she would order. Unless you're going to open a location in Miami or Fort Lauderdale, she won't be there this this Mother's Day. Sorry, Lindsay. All right, I'll let you know if we're going to open one in, in her area, and, and uh, we'll take you there opening night. Daniels Broiler, danielsbroiler.com. Make your reservations for mom early and get there. And if it's too late and you want to go on Friday or Saturday night, that's a great time to celebrate, too, because Daniels Broiler is the best for special occasions. Unfiltered. Well, the difference between a hot take is something that I would say is um, not just bold, but is going to be provocative enough to get attention. And a bold prediction is simply just the blanket prediction. Episode 236, and our next guest came up with a fun idea. I guess we're going back 10 years now. He's parlayed that idea into a tremendously popular Twitter following, and now a new book. It's called Freezing Cold Takes. I've got it right here. Football media's most inaccurate predictions and the fascinating stories behind them. All the way from my hometown, here's Fred Siegel. How are you, Fred? Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, nice to have you. My first question is, why only football? You do everything on your Twitter, but this book is just football-related. Why? Well, I first tried to do one when I first started that encompassed all sports, but I couldn't figure out really which ones to use. Uh, there was just so many things to choose from. And I had a word requirement, a max word requirement, so I didn't know which ones to use. And also, I just decided, you know, maybe I'll carve out different sports and try to do a bunch of different books for different sports. And, you know, I picked football first because it's the most popular sport and some of the best ones. So for our audience or any audience member who's either not on Twitter, God bless their heart, by the way, or don't follow you on Twitter. Give a thumbnail of what you do every day. What is freezing cold takes? Well, essentially, it's just a a running feed of old predictions or quotes or tweets that were made, turned out to be completely wrong. (laughs) A lot of times I'll post them when really something's going on in the sports world that highlights Mm -hmm. the tweets wrongness in, in real time. So that's a lot of a lot of the decision on what to post at certain times, really kind of like a running diary of what, what's actually going on, correlation to what's actually going on in the sports world. Like, uh, let's say the Warriors came back to beat the Kings in the playoff series in which they're down 2-0. Then I'd post like after that game, the, the final game of the series, if the Warriors happened to win that, I'd post all the tweets of people 
saying that they were going to lose the series after right. it was 2-0. Right. When did it start and how did it all begin? Do you remember the idea, the hatching of the idea? Do you remember that first one that became uh, viral, as they say? It all started because of like what I was trying to do is I was just trying to be a counter to journalists and sports media folks reposting their accurate predictions along with like self-congratulatory messages to themselves. This was like in 2015-ish. I said to myself, someone should be the person who reposts the tweets and the quotes where some of those media folks turned out to be completely wrong. Right. And I just became that person. I, I didn't expect the feed to become big, but it did. And eventually allowed me to write the book about the historic NFL predictions gone wrong. So was there one early tweet that you remember? Early submission to somebody who got something wrong? Yeah, well, I, when I first started the feed, it was something about, like, the heat. Yeah. I think it, it was someone from Fox Sports, something about the heat. When it was the big three in 2011, they lost their first, in the first season with Chris Bosh and LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, they lost to the Mavericks 4-2 in the NBA Finals, and there was, like, an article that said, the heater cooked. Um, the big threes cooked. Blow them up. It's it's done. The experiment's over. There was a draft take. I think it was Todd McShay and uh, maybe Merrill Hodge. You said that in 2008 when the Packers picked Brian Brom out of Louisville in the second round, and Favre had just retired, and Aaron Rodgers was about to be the starting quarterback. He had been the backup for three years. They said that uh, Brom has more upside than Rodgers. One of the chapters in your book is chapter seven. Brian Brom has yeah. more upside than... Uh... Yeah, I wrote a whole thing on that clip. Yeah, yeah. so that clip I posted like really early in the, in the game. <laughs> I love some of these. The Patriots will regret hiring Bill Belichick is, uh, is chapter one. Trade Dan Marino, keep Scott Mitchell is chapter uh, number two. I'm telling you, the, the Chargers have something special here. With Ryan Leaf is one of the chapters. <laughs> well, that's that's just a general draft chapter. Yeah. Um, and that's really kind of just a, a, one of the telltale quotes from that. God, I love some of these chapter names. My all-time favorite, and uh, it's pre-internet and pre-social media. You would have had a field day with it in 2023. But back in April 9th, I don't know if you're a golf fan, Fred, but back, mm-hmm. but back in April 1986... Atlanta Journal-Constitution Tom McAllister, the columnist, when he was previewing the Masters that year, wrote a thing in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that said, Nicholas is gone, done. He just doesn't have the game anymore. It's rusted from lack of use. He's 46, and nobody that old wins the Masters. Well, Jack saw it pre-tournament. He clipped it out, and he put it on his fridge. (laughs) <laughs> and who won the Masters in 1986, yeah. Fred? Nicholas. Now, you, Fred, would have had a field day with that one, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, doing something like that now, everyone's going to see and hear about it. At that time, I'm sure not as many people knew about it. I, I'm sure that Nicholas saw it. Someone yeah. sent it to him or someone told him about it. But right. now it's like everyone's going to see it. Right. And then you're going to hear about it all the time. Yeah. You mentioned that it's NFL draft time that time of the year, I would imagine that that opens a box of great old freezing cold takes. Like Mel Kuyper has to be one of your Hall of Famers, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I, try not to, I try not to pile on. <laughs> but yeah, because, you know, like it's one of those things, right, where 
where you're doing the same thing that you're doing the draft for talking about every player. So uh, even if you have an 80% accuracy rate, I don't know if he does, you have 20%. You can just cherry pick from that sure. all day long. Sure. But yeah, he, he's definitely someone who, who can be used <laughs> for sure. <laughs> now, Jalen Hurts just signed the richest contract in NFL history, Fred. I, I would believe that there's more than a fair share of hurt haters when he came out of college. I'm probably one of them. You probably had a had an assortment to go by back then. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it, not just when he came out. When he was in college, I think there was a lot of chatter about how he could never be in the NFL. And then when he came out and he was in the draft, when, it, when he was in the draft, he was picking the second round by the Eagles. But it just, you know, still had Carson Wentz. And um, so there was a lot of criticism on that front yeah. and then you know sometimes he had a few bad games to start and it didn't look great if i was running your twitter my biggest concern fred would be the media people that are more about being outlandish than authentic for right. att for attention i won't mention any names skip bayless or steven a. <laughs> um i hope you are less likely to give those types of comments added visibility on Twitter. Yeah, it's, it's hard. I, I, I try not to do very many. I get tagged to a lot of Bayless stuff, but I try not to use him that much. Sometimes it's really difficult to avoid it because a lot of people tag under the tweet to me. Mm -hmm. A lot of those guys, you don't really know if they're actually being serious. With Skip, you're kind of feeling that he's not. Uh, he usually has his particular act that he leans towards about yeah. everything yeah so that yeah so i try not to do that but there, yeah there's a lot of people who you have to take that into consideration when they're doing it but those same people like to cherry pick when they're right too they'll, sure they'll post oh you'll just like i said you know yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> themselves on the back it's, right, it, you right. know it's interesting for for me as someone who has done this on a local level in dc and seattle for 30 years when I'm listening or watching, as soon as I get the sense that this guy or woman is just trying to be provocative with their opinion just for attention and it feels disingenuous to me, they've lost me completely. Yeah, well, I mean, I think if those type of people are some of the most successful ones. That's the unfortunate <laughs> part. Uh... The name of the book is Freezing Cold Takes NFL Football Media's Most Inaccurate Predictions and the fascinating stories behind them. Fred, is this what you do every day and all day? Is it a side gig? Is it a hobby? Was it once a side gig? Was it once a hobby? Tell us about this. And yeah, I mean, I do it all the time. and I, I try to monetize it every which way I can, including the book. Uh -huh. um, but it's the like same kind of hustle as a, a lot of other things you see on the Internet and um, social media and just like you know journalists try to hustle freelance journalists hustle it's 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 a big hustle you, you never really know how much you're going to make at any given time so what were you that's a t oh, i was an attorney for eight years yeah so who are the hall of famers as we leave you who are the best um, over the years you're doing it for well you said 2015 so about eight years now there must be three or four go-to guys that are easy to find stuff and really make fun of by retweeting their freezing cold takes. You have to preface it by saying it's not necessarily fair to just label somebody because it depends on really how much their takes are, are public. Colin Cowherd, where Colin Cowherd has a staff of people at his network 
posting his mm-hmm. hot takes the second he makes them. So they're easily accessible. But he's one. I mean, he's one that people love to use. Mike Francesa was the be- is oh, the yeah. best. Oh, yeah. He, he's funny because, like, when you talk about these guys, you worry about their sincerity, mm-hmm. about what they're saying. Like, Mike Francesa is one of those guys who says things that if you didn't know him about him, you'd think he's one of those other guys. But he is dead serious. Dead serious. About everything he says. Yep. You know he's, he's genuine. Um, but he has a lot of things that you could, that are really funny that you can post. Um, yeah. Give me one coward that you love and give me one Francesa that you love. Oh, okay. Well, coward's best one, I think one of his best ones was when Dak Prescott was playing in 2000. It was like 2014. Dak Prescott was in college and he was playing for Mississippi State. He wasn't playing very well in one game. I think it was against Alabama. He tweeted... Coward tweet, Dak Prescott is a backup in the NFL at tight end. <laughs> <laughs> and, he right, was, right. and he wasn't joking. Right, he wasn't joking. And then uh, Rob Parker, well, it may have been a little bit hyperbolized in yeah. the sense of like backup tight end. Right. But uh, I think just generally speaking, he was saying that he was no good. Yeah. How about a Francesa? <laughs> oh, yeah, Francesa. That's the other one you asked me for. Let's see. Well, he said, oh, I remember when he said, you know, Joe Judge is going to be in New York for a while. They're committed to him. They believe in Judge. He said, smartest move Tom Brady can make is to make his next stop to Canton. He has nothing to prove. Nothing good lies ahead. That's like in March 2020. He said that. <laughs> <laughs> and then like in the middle of the game in 2000, I think it was rookie season or next to his rookie season, second season. Yeah. Uh, Josh Allen, second season. Josh Allen is making them long for Nathan Peterman. Oh. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you don't have access to my stuff over the last 30 years, Fred, because <laughs> yeah. no one no one has been more wrong over the years than me. I, I could, if you <laughs> asked me to come up with a, a top 10 of Mitch Levy being wrong, I had Pete Carroll fired like the second year that he got here. Even last year, I had Scott Service, the manager of the Mariners, and the GM at 29 and 39 fired. 58 games into the season. They then won more games than anybody in the in the sport and went to the playoffs. My God, some days I wish I was national, but on this day, I'm so glad that Fred Siegel can't find me. That's the best news of it all. Uh, the name of the book is Freezing Cold Takes, Football Media's Most Inaccurate Predictions and the Fascinating Stories Behind Them by Fred Siegel. You can follow him on Twitter. He's got an amazing following. All the best to you, Fred. I hope you sell a lot of books. Thanks so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Zeke's Pizza has a new awesome app, which has made everyone's lives who order pizza better. Zeke's Pizza has new locations even outside of Washington State in Idaho. President Dan Black rejoins us on Mitch Unfiltered. Tell us more about Eagle Idaho, Dan. Yeah, Mitch, Eagle's been fun so far. It's opened with a bang down there. It's been fun having some unfiltered listeners check in from down there. We had had one guy tell us that we were out of Hop Tropic on Twitter, and so I had to buy him a Hop Tropic the other night, which was fun, and he checked back in on Twitter. So that was, it's (laughs) the vast reach of Mitch Unfiltered is, you know, making its way down there. What you don't realize is is that you weren't even out of Hop Tropic. He was just trying to get a free beer. That's what Mitch Unfiltered listeners are all about, Dan. (laughs) Hey, it doesn't surprise me. It worked. (laughs) (laughs) I count 25 restaurants, now two states, and I know Oregon is next. It's amazing how the footprint has grown, Dan. I know I've asked you this before. Was this the master plan way back when, or did something change for you and your partners along the way? 
Well, it wasn't the master plan when we started, you know, our founders, Doug and Tom, they basically wanted to live the ultimate Northwest lifestyle. They like to windsurf and ski big mountain powder. And so they realized they were going to have to own their own business to do it. They're food guys. And, you know, at the time there wasn't any really great pizza in Seattle. And so filled the market need and weren't doing much other than wanting to be small business owners. And, but it became apparent relatively early on that we kind of embodied the Northwest values and our roots were here. And it was pretty clear we were the Northwest pizza place pretty early on. And so we realized that at the very least could be Washington, Idaho and Oregon. And it's kind of fun, even though that vision's been around for a while to kind of start to have it be realized geographically now. And what's the black family ordering now that the weather is going to change, we hope someday and, and shine the spotlight on some beer for us? Yeah, you know, summer rolls around. We tend to get a little bit lighter on the pizza. So we end up going doing some veggie stuff like Super Marg and Quentin Florentino are good. I mean, we always order a lot of Wood Butcher and Cherry Bomb and Puget Pounder, the favorites, but the veggie stuff kind of comes into play. And then the beer mm -hmm. I'm excited for this summer is we're going to do a re-rack of a popular one we did with Fremont Brewing last summer. Uh, Z-Side Frozen IPA, a nice hoppy but light beer that's great for summer. And so not quite sure what date that's going to release, but it'll be a good summer drinker. And that's what I'll be keyed on. You got to download the brand new Zeke's Pizza app. It's better than ever. It is simple to get started and to order your pizza, your beer right to your door. We love Zeke's Pizza. They've been an incredible sponsor and partner of Mitch Unfiltered and they're homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Episode 236, the other stuff segment, Nelson, British Columbia. Hello. <laughs> Have you ever been to Nelson? No, beautiful this time of year. <laughs> they are very nice. And by the way, everybody is so nice at Nelson. Oh, it's yeah. It's clean. Oh, it's sure. Fun. No, yeah. people don't even lock their doors at yeah. night. It's so great. As we get to the other stuff segment, by the way, I never even mentioned the Seattle Mariners. True. In segment number one, we talked about the Seahawks, the Kraken. Mariners won two out of three against the Cardinals, if that does anything for you. Yeah, for sure. The left fielder. Yeah. Should we update the left fielder? Two opposite field home runs, like almost carbon copies of one another. If yeah. you watch the highlight of the one he hit on Saturday night, and then you watch the highlight of the one he hit on Sunday afternoon, the only difference between the two is that one's a little more light because it's daytime. Right. One night. The left fielder almost does the exact same thing <laughs> at the fence right. as he did the... the um, do, you want, do you want me to update? Do you want yes, an update want on the left fielder? Update, please. Do you want a stats update? Of course. The left fielder of your Seattle Mariners, is he real or is he Memorex? Remember it? Who Ella are you Fitz asking? Ella Fitzgerald. Who are you asking if I remember? Uh, cassettes were a huge deal. So if you remember, what did Ella Fitzgerald's recording do? Broke glass. Yeah, very good. And then who was the one? Was it Maxell, the guy in the chair? <laughs> You remember I don't the remember Max. The, I remember Max sell the tapes, but I don't. I don't. It, but it might have been the one. What was the one you said? The uh, is it live or Memorex. was it Memorex? Was Memorex? Remember the guy in the chair? He'd put the speakers on and then wind. Yes, yes, yes. Was that the same? <laughs> yes. I don't know if it was the same one. See, cassettes were a huge oh, deal back then. People, man. people right now are thinking cassettes. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. All right, the left fielder. As we record this episode, two hundred and thirty-six. Okay. Three nineteen batting average. Jeez. Three seventy-seven on base percentage. 667 slugging percentage. When you add the slugging percentage to the on-base percentage, which is what they do now, the kids these days. Well, isn't that called something? Yes, it's called OPS. Oh, makes sense. He's got a 1.043 OPS. That sounds now, good. Now ask me, 
say, Mitch, that's just a number to me. It doesn't make any kind of sense. Yeah. I need to, I need need you to make sense of it. Okay, that's, I, I can't you know make I mean? any sense of that. It's just a number. Yeah, make sense I, I can it, make sense of it. As we sit here, top OPSs in the American League. Okay. Matt Chapman, fine third baseman for the Toronto Blue Jays. Mike Trout, don't know if you've ever heard of him. Mm, sounds familiar. And the left fielder's number three. Wow. That ain't nothing then, apparently. Six home runs, top four in the American League. Wowzy. Is he, is he real or is he Memorex? <sighs> Let me ask you this. <laughs> is he real or is he? And I told you, I think you asked me this couple of weeks ago, I told you as long as he is hitting the ball the opposite way out of the ballpark, he or to center, center and left, and both the home runs over the weekend were to left field, I tend to think he's he's real and not Memorex. When he's hitting a bunch of home runs, when he's jacking them out, pulling them out, you feel like there's an 0 for 22 around the corner. I see what you're saying, yeah. yeah. If you just guess on a fastball, you might get lucky once in a while and pull one out. I just love the fact that he's yeah. just hitting everything to right center. Or it's great. In this case, left center. Yeah. So, so what are you going to say? The Mariners haven't, they're not, they haven't started out as hot as maybe we thought they would or had hoped they no, would. No, yeah, they're a little bit, yeah. So They're would, all right, though. Would you take a hotter team record and the old left fielder's stats or uh, what he's doing now and where their record I've is I've asked now? that question before. You did. On this show. Did, did I not ask you that question? I don't think so. To me, if this is real, okay, this is bigger than the season hmm. because of what he was supposed to be, how you got him, yeah. how much, how many eggs you put in his basket all these years. I mean, this is a huge story. It's, it's, Almost bigger than a season. So I like where they are now with him. If you're asking me, what are they? They're two games under 500 right now. Fine, yeah. Not a disaster. No. Yeah, right. we, we were firing people on this show. I was firing people at 29 and 39. That's right. And then they didn't lose a game the rest of the year. <laughs> That's right, yes. Uh, yeah, if you said seven games over 500 in first place in the American League West yep. with a left fielder hitting 189 and looking like the same left fielder that they've had all these years yep. or two games under 500 with this, I'll take two games under 500 with this. Yeah, I'm with you. Because this is, I mean, think about it for just a second. Dare dare to dream, and maybe we're getting way That's too... what we do. We cares? probably shouldn't do it because it's too soon still yet. All right. If this is real... yeah. Him and Julio for the next 10 years? It's crazy. I know. That's what we wanted. They were two and five. Remember in the, in the prospects list? Like, how is that possible? We have two and five. Can at least one be good? One is really good. And now potentially the second one, it'd be unbelievable. Well, at this moment in time, not that I expect it to continue, the left fielder is out hitting <laughs> right. by every metric the center fielder. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Who saw that coming? Right. And by the way, the center fielder, I'm sure, will end up the year just fine. He'll get insanely hot. And yeah, the center fielder's got a $600 million contract. Too. <laughs> yeah, and the left fielder's got, you know. Yeah. So. And his D looks pretty good, too. Yeah, very good. Right. Very it's, good. It's exciting. It's I know. exciting. I love it. I, you're trying to, you know, just. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll chill a bit. I may never be able to call him by name for the rest of my life. Because you're superstitious that way, yeah. Well, if this goes on, yeah. there's people on Twitter that say this, that I've done it. But this is it. Congratulations. Mitch has done it. He's finally accomplished something. That's right. The Levy Jinx, the owner of the Levy Jinx, has gone the other way. All right. Okay. Tiger, your buddy, having surgery. Have it. Do you oh, have he, had, he had it. 
Oh, he did have it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just uh, it's kind of a pain for him to just keep walking on it. Just looks like he never really healed. He kind of rushed it back maybe and wanted to get on the course. And... So he had post-traumatic arthritis yeah. relief. He underwent a subdolar fusion. Yeah. Is that the way that's you, how say you say it? it? Yeah, fusion procedure. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's... The team, his team did not provide a timeline for his recovery, only to say that Woods looks forward to beginning his rehabilitation. So it sounds uh. like... Sounds like his year could be over. Certainly no U.S. Open, no, no PGA Championship, which is next. Probably no U.S. Open. Who knows? Maybe no more golf the rest of the year for Tiger Woods, which yeah. is sad because every time, and you don't know this because you don't watch, but every time he just tees it up, the and, and people know he's probably not going to do, not going to be on the first page of the leaderboard right. at the end of the but just the fact that he's there in the lead up, like on Tuesday when he does the press conference and yeah. he gives the state of the tiger a draft. I mean, everything is just ramped up when he's present. Mm. So it's sad. It's kind of sad. Feels like old times when he's out there again, you know, like, oh, hey, there's Tiger. But then you watch him play. It's not exactly like old no, times, a but, different. Just but a different. still yeah. cool having him yeah. out there. I've got DeMar Hamlin on my list, cleared to resume full football activities. And I know we all saw this coming. We all kind of knew we were headed back to him going back to the NFL but it doesn't make it any less incredible for me. To well, I didn't about. think that when I saw him on the field. Well, I'm talking about in the seven days after you saw him on the field, yeah. we were starting to hear he's going to play football again. Oh, seven I see days. what you're saying, yeah. So it's not, it's not like this snuck up on us. Right, right. But to think the guy had to be revived like three different times, and now he's going to be at training camp running around. It's unbelievable. Thank God to that, that staff that no saved kidding. him. My God. No kidding. Oh. Incredible, Incredible story. I've got the uh, the Russell Wilson flipping a golf cart story. You know that story? Go on. Did you not know? No. Arrowhead Golf Course in Colorado. There's video of uh, <laughs> Russell Wilson flipping oh, a golf cart. Not been a great year for him, has it? Sean Payton, his new head coach in a pre-draft media conference said, he's talking about his football team, I don't want the players to feel like they're pulling into the parking lot coming to football practice in April. There's going to be no meetings just weight room and running. That's just not happening. It's great to see these guys around the complex again. Just hopefully we can keep the golf carts upright. <laughs> did he really? It, he did not sniff. <laughs> I sniffed. He did not sniff. Yeah, that's a pretty big investment you got there flipping a golf cart. And those things are insanely heavy, as you know. Yeah. I mean, like on the just so on the bottom, like if that thing lands on you, it's yeah, you know, it's not a razor scooter. Those things are heavy. 49ers rookie quarterback sensation Brock Purdy. Ever heard of him? Yes, I have. Mr. Irrelevant at one point. That's correct. The last man picked last year's draft who uh, led the 49ers all the way to the postseason and it was terrific doing so. He said in an interview, he's not 100% sure that he's going to play at all this season. What? Remember he had that elbow thing happen and yeah, he went yeah. into surgery and he they took him out of the Eagles game wow. and the playoffs and he was on the sidelines. He couldn't throw the ball. Well, I guess it was some pretty major elbow surgery and time will tell whether he will be on the field at all during the 2023 football season. I did not see that coming. I thought, I mean, this day and age, you can fix anything in yes, a year, right? That's Don't crazy. Know. Wow. Don't know. We'll okay. see. Yeah, we'll yep. see. What do you know about Gervonta Davis, the boxer? Don't know anything about him. Well, he called his shot. He said he was going to knock out the previously undefeated Ryan Garcia in the seventh round of their oh. mega fight that was like three years in the making. And that's yeah. exactly what Tank, that's his nickname, did. Is this Ger the body shot? Perfectly placed body shot no, you don't like it i don't like when people get knocked out with a body shot unless rocky balboa oh. is going to the midsection and breaking your ribs yeah 
Oh, I think the champion's ribs are broke. I think his ribs are broken. <laughs> right. Other than Rocky Balboa, I just don't think a professional fighter should get knocked out with a body punch. I mean, he tried to get up, it looked like, after a few seconds. you know, Really? He, he dropped to one knee, he was wincing, and then the referee began to count. He stayed on one knee for the entire 10 count, unless he was just throwing it. Maybe he had a bunch of money on the other guy, but I don't know. This dude looks pretty unbelievable. He's 29 and 0. If you haven't seen him fight, he okay. looks like the real deal. So okay. that was that was a pretty cool fight. All right. Okay. Are you familiar with the, if, if I said to you the champagne of beers, does that ring a bell to you? What who calls themselves the champagne of beers? Doesn't even ring a bell. So I don't. Not only do I not know who it is, <laughs> I forgot who I'm asking. It, does, <laughs> it doesn't even sound familiar. All right. For, for years, Miller High Life used the champagne of beer slogan. Really? This past week, yeah, I, I think that's maybe, their that's their catchphrase, the champagne of beers. It says it on Miller High Life, yeah, on hmm. every bottle. Something but I did not know. They probably started it in 1903 when maybe it was back yeah. then, the, the greatest beer. I don't know. Right. I actually like Miller High Life a lot. It's okay. the carbonation's unique. Anyway, so this week at the request of the trade body, defending the interests of houses and growers of the northeastern French sparkling wine, Belgian customs crushed more than 2,000 cans of Miller High Life advertised really? as such. A bunch of babies. Yeah, so apparently there was a big shipment coming in. No one knows who bought all this Miller High Life in Belgium. And yeah, they're very sensitive about that. If it you if it's not grown in, in the Champagne region, you cannot. Do we call know it. where the Champagne <laughs> region know. is? Who the hell knows? Are we sure what the seventy two Dolphins drink? It comes from the Champagne. We are region? not. It just could be Prosecco. And if it is, these guys are oh. gonna they're gonna lose their shit and come after the Dolphins. Leave them alone. Out. They're ninety four year old Alta <laughs> That's right. Just leave them alone. The Oakland Athletics are on the move. It appears. Really. Signing a binding purchase agreement for land just west of the Strip in Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, man. Where a major league ballpark will be constructed. Are you ready? 49 acres at the intersection of Dean Martin Drive and Tropicana Avenue. (laughs) I know exactly where that is. (laughs) Owned by Red Rock Resorts. Oh, man. For a while, we were on parallel paths with Oakland and Las Vegas, but we've now turned our attention to Vegas to get a deal here for the A's and find a long-term home, A's President Dave Caval said. A $1.5 billion stadium seating how many? How many should a $1.5 billion stadium seat? It's baseball only? Baseball only. I don't know, 55,000? (laughs) 30,000. That's it. That's all you get for $1.5 billion. (laughs) A partially retractable roof would be built on the site. Okay. Ancillary development, including, but not limited to food and beverage establishments and even an amphitheater. A big, big project wow. might be coming to Las Vegas with the... So now the now Las Vegas has the Raiders. Yep. And they might have the A's anytime soon. Reggie Jackson weighed in, longtime Oakland A, one of the most prominent Oakland A's sure. of them all, athletics of them all. He said, quote, about Oakland, the city I thought really needed to do something. Save the A's. You lost the Warriors to San Francisco. You lost the Raiders to Las Vegas. What the hell's wrong with you? You can't see that coming. The fans don't deserve that. I blame the people running this deal. You've got to keep the team for the benefit of the city. And they lost all three of them. Reggie Jackson. I kind of agree with him. Scolding Oakland for not getting a, a new stadium deal done. The documentary on him is really good if you haven't seen it. I've not seen it. I think it's uh, Amazon Prime, I think I want to say. I just watched it. It's really good. 
I mean, I didn't know a ton about him. He's a little before yeah. my time. Right. I remember him with the Angels. Like, that's like my At first. a candy bar. Oh, they talk about that. You sure. betcha. The Reggie, right? Yeah, I think it was. The Reggie? There's a cool, it's like, for whatever reason, his buddy Dr. J comes over and Reggie and Dr. <laughs> J are just <laughs> chatting cool. in his driveway. Like, Ooh, that's cool. a couple legends just chopping it up right there in the driveway. All right, folks at Disneyland got a pretty cool Saturday night as they watched parts of the Tom Sawyer Island go up in flames. Really? Did you see this video? No. Okay, so it went down as park goers were enjoying the phantasmic light show on Tom Sawyer Island. Suddenly, the head of the 45-foot-tall animatronic dragon erupted into a fireball. What the hell? And the flames began to spread. And people are probably thinking, this show kicks ass. I mean, <laughs> they really burn a 45-foot dragon every freaking night. This is awesome. But cast members were at the ready and quickly evacuated. No, nobody got hurt, so that's yep. why I'm laughing. But the cool part, I thought, was... The way they extinguished it was the staff turned on a water feature that was part of the show and doused the flames and the crowd <laughs> cheered and it was pretty Maybe cool. they should do it every night. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You got to burn that animatronic foot. That's probably like a $10 million dragon. Oh that, my God. That lit up. Ugh. All right, I got a few here before we... I don't even have any RIPs. I think it's the first... I don't have one. I, I think it's the first week since we started doing the show that we've got no RIPs. I literally... Which is a good thing. Nobody's dying. I literally Googled RIP celebrity to see if I missed something. I, have, I don't have any. There was a K-pop singer. He was 28 from yeah. Korea. And but... there was a, a guitarist from the... Something. something <laughs> oh, from Led Zeppelin? You're going to tell me Jimmy Page no. died now and I missed it? Nothing that I never heard of. <laughs> okay. Um, I got a few here. Okay. Miami-Dade County judge ordered law enforcement to arrest former NFL wide receiver hmm. Antonio Brown Ugh. after Brown allegedly God. failed to pay child support. Yeah. The warrant for Brown's arrest was reportedly issued on April 14th in response to Brown avoiding payments to the mother of his child, Wiltrish Jackson, but now there's another chapter to this. Dade County, According Florida. to the TMZ website. Yes. Brown, who needed to pay approximately 30 grand in unpaid child support to clear up the matter, he has posted a picture on his Instagram. Oh, God. On Friday night, proof of his fulfilling the $30,000 requirement. He paid. Oh, he did pay. He paid and he's showing it on Instagram. <laughs> How did he show it? I mean, I don't know. Some sort of receipt. <laughs> a receipt for child support. Like you were supposed to be like proud that he takes care of his kids. <laughs> yes. Like, congratulations, he's, buddy. He's now avoided arrest. Nice job. Big changes coming to your favorite place, McDonald's. I've heard of it. Mickey D's. Okay. McDonald's, which has been focusing on upgrading its core items to boost sales, is rolling out a series of changes designed to improve it's signature burgers, Hot Shots guy. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm already not feeling it, but go ahead. I'll listen. Buns will be softer. Okay. Cheese will be gooier. Come on. Onions will be added to patties right on the grill. Oh, okay. And the Big Mac sauce, there will be more of it. The upgrades apply to the Big Mac and the double McDouble burger, <laughs> as well as the classic cheeseburger, double cheeseburger, and hamburger. They are improving the burgers. At McDonald's. I'm kind of with them on the bun thing because I've said before that uh, I don't know if they still do it, but when I worked there, there was one sandwich that got the the steamed bun. There's like a steamer you put it in. That was the not when I was not when I was okay. There. The, the fillet of fish you oh, steam maybe, the bun. Maybe, you don't maybe. you don't toast it. Yeah, or you toasted it, but it was like so soft. It's the best. But then the <laughs> other ones are yeah, they are a little dry. I think they could up. They could. Wendy's buns are delightful. 
but McDonald's, I, that's one area where I'm kind of with them. I think they could upgrade the buns. I'd like to introduce you to Vincent Dransfield of Little Falls, New Jersey. I'm ready. Would you like to hear about Vincent Dransfield of Little Falls, New Jersey? Sure. He zips around town in his car every day, buying lunch, running errands, and shopping for groceries. He's been living in the same house in Little Falls, New Jersey, since he bought the place in 1945. Oh, my gosh. You're saying to yourself, well, what, why do I care about Vincent Dransfield? Yeah. He is 109 years old. Wow. He requires no help navigating between the home's main floor and his bedroom upstairs and the basement where he does laundry once a week wow. by himself. Dransfield was funny and flirtatious when a reporter this week asked how he feels at 109. He said, quote, how do I feel? Let's go dance somewhere. How about that? That's how I feel, he wow. said. Well, when you said when he bought the house, I'm thinking, what, 78 years ago, he had enough money to buy a home. He wasn't two. So, yeah, holy He crap. says, quote, I've been very, very, very lucky in my lifetime. I feel perfect at 109. He doesn't get back aches, according to his granddaughter. He doesn't get any daily aches. Or pains. His granddaughter, who's 70. 48. Okay, sorry. <laughs> he doesn't get headaches or anything like that. It's crazy. He doesn't need anybody to live with him. He drives. He oh, does errands every day. He drives still? Yeah, yeah. He runs around. I just said buying lunch, doing errands, saying hello to everybody in the community. Yep. 109 years old in Little Falls, New Jersey. It's inspiring. It really is inspiring. And I, I can't get my ass off the couch <laughs> twice a week to go to the gym. Holy crap. <laughs> That's amazing. He might be a pretty good guest. No, maybe not. Okay. I bet you he has a landline. Yeah. Oh, sure. You can count on that. He and I are the only ones left. That's right. He's He's got a cell phone that his granddaughter bought him 12 years ago that's in the box. And he's never opened. All right. Barbara Walters. You remember her? Yeah. Her longtime home is now up yep, for grabs yeah. if you'd like it. The condo in New York. It overlooks Central Park and uh, has a great view. Saw that. Uh, it's currently arranged into I got it. two I got bedrooms, it. but can be Hold converted on. into... Hold on. Yes, yes. It's got a ton of cool other features, no including snip. a wood-burning fireplace, 10-foot ceilings, nearly floor-to-ceiling windows to enjoy the park views. If you'd like this Manhattan Upper East Side... 20? 19.75. Okay. I was going to offer 20. Oh, that's a steal at 19.75. Okay. Anyway, it looks like she moved in in 1989, and they're keeping it exactly the way it was when she passed away at the age of 93. And she spent her final years living in that particular estate and yep. her hauntings come free of charge. <laughs> Remember Barbara Wawa? Of course. Yeah, sure. Uh, Saturday Night Live, you're talking about? Played by? Gilda? Gilda yeah, Radner. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I have two last ones before headlines. you have anything else that you want to throw out before headlines? Tom Brady. You see the, did you see the AI yeah, Tom Brady yeah, he's comedy mad about special? It. He's threatening a lot. Cease and desist. Cease and desist. Cease and desist, yeah. Not happy. So Not happy. Apparently, these two comedians, they they created this hour-long video, version, yeah. which featured an animated version. Launchy of, one, right? Yeah, telling crass jokes in stand-up format. It actually right. looks pretty cool. But right. yeah, they did it with AI. Anyway, he's, uh, he's pissed off, and they forced them to wipe it from the internet. So Tom got sensey on that one. Prosecutors are expected to drop manslaughter charges against Alec Baldwin. Yeah. In the death of the cinematographer Helena Hutchins. Yeah. In a statement on Thursday evening, special prosecutors in the case said that new facts had come to light that make it impossible to proceed against Baldwin in the time allotted. That picture of him, the day it happens that someone took where he's like kind of hunched over and on the phone, you can tell he's like bawling. 
It's like so hard to look at. I mean, imagine you just accidentally killed someone. Imagine that phone call who he's his agent or someone like, Ooh. you don't understand. She's dead. I killed her. Like, I can just imagine that awful phone call. Well, that whole situation's now, terrible. For now, he is not being criminally All right. prosecuted. For now, okay. they're going to continue the investigation. And then I'll, I'll share with you this. This is kind of a startling story. Kamisha Williams. Okay. The sister of Los Angeles Clippers star forward Kawhi Leonard. Heard of him? Is facing life behind bars for murdering an elderly woman in 2019. Good Lord. Been sentenced to life without parole in connection with the murder of Afaf Assad, an 84-year-old Long Beach, California woman who Williams killed in a casino bathroom in 2019. Williams, along with another woman, Candace Townsell, is accused of following Assad into a bathroom at the Pechanga Resort Casino on August 31st, 2019, where they then broke her skull in a robbery attempt. Assad died a few days after the attack, and the two women were ultimately found guilty Ugh. of first-degree murder, robbery, and elder abuse. Unreal. An 84-year-old. 84-year-old woman in a robbery attempt. In a casino. In a casino. <sighs> yeah. Probably tried to fight back a little bit and then got in a... I, I, it wouldn't, I, it my wouldn't, mind hasn't taken me that far. It I wouldn't be hard to kill point. an 84-year-old, whether you meant no. to or not, right? All they got to do is fall once and hit their head, and that'll be that, you know? Wow. That is disturbing. Anyway. Headline. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you see Elon Musk's Twitter, or not Twitter, but his rocket blow up, that SpaceX, do you see no, that? No, no. It blew up only minutes after taking to the skies. You really didn't see that. It's pretty. It, it, thank God no one was on it, and there was yeah. no satellites or anything. But right. all seemed fine to the folks on the ground until the massive explosion happened. And they sort of said, "I think they kind of, they came out and said, well, yeah, we were kind of trying to do something.' You know, they they uh, didn't come out and say whoops. I think they were uh, trying to spin it a little bit. That would you go up there if invited? No, absolutely not. No. I wouldn't drive a Tesla. <laughs> after, that, <laughs> after that, no way, man. <laughs> uh, that's it for okay. me. Headlines. Yeah, what's that? Video from a CBS News helicopter shows the moment a water spout crashed onto a beach full of people. At first, the scientists were in awe until they realized, of course, it was just an Eagles fan on a hotel balcony. Kenya finds new strains of sexually transmitted diseases. Little known fact that whenever a country in Africa discovers a new disease, they get to name it after their country. You heard of gonorrhea, right? Nudists in Austria are not happy about plans for a cable car that would pass right over a popular beach in Vienna where clothing is optional, saying they fear for their privacy if people with cell phone cameras are allowed to swoop across the area. Or you could just wear a fucking bathing suit like a normal person. God, so annoying. And finally, a Boston Marathon runner was caught taking a poo in a stranger's yard on their home doorbell camera. Dropped it right in the yard during the marathon. During the race? It was one of the runners, yeah. Just had to go and did it right there. Oh, God. Yeah. One day, this person will tell their grandkids that they ran the Boston Marathon and finished number two. Didn't we just do a story on uh, what we do in the shower these days? <laughs> yes, Last exactly. <laughs> I was, it just makes me laugh. Like, do you think the Sons of Liberty in Boston would have pressed on 250 <laughs> years ago, <laughs> unleashing the Boston Tea Party that then kicked off the Revolutionary War? If they'd have known that all of their work and fighting and death they endured would one day lead to people's freedom to have a shit in people's yards. 
<laughs> Some country we've created. Christ. Episode 236, <laughs> Hot Shot Scott. Yes. I have one final message to all the listeners who made it all the way here yep. to the final bell. If you haven't been to Vancouver, <laughs> That's right. it's such a lovely place. It's a great city, and it's really clean. Mm, the cleanest. Yeah. Really clean. Yeah. That in Victoria, yep. British Columbia. So nice. Uh, episode 236, Victoria, hello, is in the book. 